Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. I saw a father saying goodbye to his child with a profound disability yesterday. It really is harrowing. It's so important that people who have a large following are aware of the impact they can have in the messaging that they put out. The lack of communication to their customers, it's terrible, you know, and I'm embarrassed by it. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. I remember when council meetings to agree a budget would start at maybe five o'clock, half past five in the evening. And and you'd still be there at one o'clock in the morning. The all-time record when I was covering council in years gone by, we were there until nearly quarter to two in the morning. Trying to and, and they would be skin and hair flying over every last euro. Now the whole thing was done and dusted and locked down last night before half a state. They were all having a, a swifty afterwards before before we knew they were even doing the thing. And the businesses in the city not happy about the rates, not happy at all about the increase in rates. And I don't think they're buying this excuse from City Hall that, oh, you only had to have at 1% over the last 13. It's the middle of a flipping crisis. People are spending less and going to town less. And you put up the, the, the business rates. It, it just doesn't seem to make a whole pile of sense. We'll come to it later in the morning. 0818 96 96 96, the number. The text to WhatsApp is 083 396 96 96. And the email opinion at 96mm.ie. Good morning to you. Uh, lots more besides that. We had a winner yesterday. We had a winner yesterday on the show. John, he qualified with PJ earlier on today. John, have you been watching your phone all day long? I have. I'm actually just gone into a lecture there, so I just had to run out for a second because I see the number and I was there. Please, God, let it be down. Well, John, you're going to have to cheer outside that lecture hall because you've just won a 500 euro toy shopping spree. Oh, brilliant. That's absolutely brilliant. My lecturer is looking at me now as if I'm gone mad. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> That's John unqualified yesterday, winning with Lorraine last evening. Another 10k toy giveaway later this morning. First of all, let me go back to uh, September 
of 2021 when we first spoke to the Gerns family. Why is it so important to you to have an inquest? It's closure, you know, it's some answers anyway, you know, other answers that you have been asking in your head or, you know, it's the last thing you think of at night, you know, and, you know, if you just had the inquest, it's a closure to, to myself, my family, my mother, my sister, his two kids, his partner, and it's just part of the grieving process, really, PJ, isn't it? Yeah, we understand that he took his own life, but there's more to that 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 you want to know, and it won't be able to come out until there is an inquest. Tell me a bit about him. What was he like? Yeah, he was always joking and pranking. He was a talented footballer, and loving father. His two kids, Sting and Sophia, and he he was always joking. He just went down the wrong path, you know. And he just ended up. It ended up this way, really. How were the family dealing with this? Um, my mom goes to the grave every day. It's tough, just take day by day. Were you close to yourselves as brothers? Yeah, I'm very close, yeah. He was he was always trying to win one over on me and joking. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Was he older or younger than you? He was older, he was the eldest. He was 29 when he died. That's uh, uh, Evan Gerns talking to me about his brother, Andrew Gerns, who died in Cork Prison in 2020. He was from Model Farm Road. And um, Evan, we've talked before about the, the delay in getting an inquest. And then you got an inquest and then it was delayed again. And you still haven't had it done and dusted properly. Morning. Morning, PJ. How are you? Good. Um, I don't think when you spoke to me in September of 2021 you'd still be waiting for an inquest, to, a proper inquest, to finish in November of 2022? No, I, I didn't think it would go on this long. Um, it's a struggle for everyone. I'm not the only one. Um, there's been reports done that it's, it, the inquest is not uh, fit for purpose. It was done in 2000. It was done again in 2007. Like the reports are done now. It's time for the action yeah. for it to be changed. Uh, it's, it's just not fit for purpose. Yeah. During COVID, the coroner's court was tied up for months on end and that led to huge delays. Now, you went into court in September. Tell me what happened then. Um, there was a inaccurate CCTV. Um, basically, the CCTV wasn't presented um, to the coroner uh, 72 hours before Andrew's death. Was All of it, all the CCTV footage was not presented to the coroner's court. Um and for my for our legal representative uh, to view to view um this cctv wasn't available um but on the other hand um uh, members on galaxy Khan had this 72 hours and stood up and said we have it and he basically he uh, adjourned it saying why why did the guard have it and the coroner's court did not have it yes the coroner Mr Common he adjourned the inquest if I'm correct back in early September because there is 72 hours of video in existence but all that was brought before the court was was a shorter version and the guards had seen everything and the coroner felt that he and the court should have a right to see everything I think you and I spoke at the time and and that was perfectly natural. They should be able to see everything, correct? Yeah, just, just for for everyone's peace of mind, you know, was everything done correct? Um, you know, did, did the medical staff go to him, you know, and was it, in the, like, I have the transcripts of CCTV of Cork Prison, but I went to know, uh, do the transcripts, um, do, they, do they add up, you know, to what viewing a CCTV is, you know? Yes, yes. Now, you reckon that should be ready 
to have everything and the legal team will be ready to go back into court very, very soon. But you yeah, have to join right. the queue again. You have to join, wait for a date again, wait till the court is available. It's just scandalous. Like, we've, it's, we just want, it'd be nice to get it done before Christmas and just just get on with it, you know. Um, but yeah, we'll have to wait for a day. He said he did say the new it would be the new year, and I I, I knew this when he said that to me. Um, um, this was the coroner he, said it was it, Evan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he just said that. Um, it, look, it will be the new year before this is, and I accept that because I wanted I wanted the inquest to be done properly, and no no stone left unturned with this, you know. Yes, yes. Talk to me about the, the rest of the family, Evan, and, and you've said this to me before, and let's talk about it a little bit again. You feel that you can't properly mourn Andrew no, until no. until you get to the end of this inquest. Talk about that for a while. Yeah, I won't have to mourn the last of my words properly till it's over and done with, till I know that he got the proper care, that he got the proper mental health treatment in Cork Prison. Or whether he did or he did not, we just have to wait and see the outcome. Um, I know there's a, the inspectors of prison report is with the director general at the moment, and that will be due um, very shortly. And we, I'll welcome that report when it comes. Um, I think it'd be a great benefit to the coroner as well. Will that be admissible to the coroner as well? Uh, if it's out in time, yes. Yes, yes, yes. As we know from an inquest, an inquest isn't about blame, an inquest isn't about no. responsibility, an inquest is about facts. And isn't that where the thing was, Evan, that without the 72 hours of footage to watch, make notes upon, watch bits of it again in case you wanted to check things out, you couldn't have the full facts. And that's why you went no. looking for it, isn't that right? Yeah, that, that's you, like, how could you just sleep at night thinking that there was CCTV missing? You'd be asking yourself, why was the CCTV missing? Why didn't they give over the proper CCTV? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a problem up and down the country as well. There, there's a real oh, shortage. I'm not, I'm, not the only, I'm, I'm not the only family in this. I know this. Um, there's just the reports, the reviews were done. Like, it's, it's, it's not... It's not fit for purpose. The coroner's court in Ireland is not fit for purpose. There's been people up and down the country calling for a reform on the coroner's court. It did, it, the reviews have been done. There was a review done in 2000. There was a review done in 2007. And there was, it was in the Oireachtas in, two, in last year, in 21. Um, like we know that it's not I think, just act on it now like, and get it properly done. Hmm. You know, it's it's or get a you know get a proper building in a in each district in in Ireland and yeah and give give them the resources that the coroner's court need. You know, it, like they put through resources at everything else at COVID. Why don't they throw a bit extra resources for say six months to get through the backlog and whatever? You know. Yeah, the court in Cork again. Most people never know where the coroner's court is until, unfortunately, they have none. to go in it. There is none. There is none. There used to be no. It used to be Court Seven in in Washington Street. Did they? And that got closed during COVID. Have they ever gone back to it? Uh, we were in Court Two the last time, though. But I think it's because the court was closed for. I think it was uh, summer recess or something. Yeah. You know. Yeah. There were. There was. There was a courtroom that was always used by the coroner, but that's not exactly. A full-time coroner's court. That's, you know, isn't it funny? Well, not even funny, isn't it strange, Evan, that when when you start to take an interest in something from a personal 
I mean, this is not a conversation you ever wanted to be having on the radio. No, never. I just want, I just want no one to go through it again. You know, yes. and and you've you learned know? that more and more families up and down the country are in the same yeah. position that you're in. It's like it's not like, like the jury selection and everything in in the corner court is, is not fit for purpose. It, it's the jury selection is the coroner gets to pick the jury. Like it's not come from the electric, the electorate. You know, it's it's just not fit for purpose. Yeah. Everything about it, you know. It's yeah, just the coroner is working within the remus of legislation that is old, very, very yeah. old. Yeah, yeah, and it's not his fault. I know it's not his fault. It's just the the system that was designed, and it, now it's time. It's not time for reviewing anymore. It's time for the action. It's time for politicians to step in. It's time for the manager actually to allocate more money, to allocate more resources, just to get the backlog true yes what what he has yes because what's what's frightened what what's worrying you and your family and it's coming into another christmas is yeah. that you won't you 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 your next date could be after january could be springtime could be summertime yeah. Yeah. yeah it could be it could be next september you know we never we don't know you don't know and that's not good enough no it's not good enough and there's no communication or no nothing you know it's between, it's just, it's just not good enough. And and this isn't about it not being good enough for for Evan and the rest of the family. Your 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 view is it's not good enough for Andrew and Andrew's memory. Yeah. And it's not, yeah, it's, no, it's not, and it's not good for other families either. You know, they must. There's other families going through this. I know I'm not the only family going through this up and down the country. Yeah, yeah, but the government are aware of it. I'm like I wrote all, I wrote to Minister McIntyre, just general, just a general. Email back, you know. This is it's up to the local authority and blah blah blah. And, yes, you know. yeah. The the, the the coroner is funded by the local authority, and there was a good breakdown given at the council meeting. Evan, hold on there for me for for a while. There, there was a good breakdown given at the council meeting recently uh, to independent councillor uh, Thomas Maloney, who joins me briefly. Tom, morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. The numbers here, like the, the coroner himself or herself, the salary isn't enormous. It's 44,000. Um, but many of them have another job. Some of them are doctors as well and lawyers and things like that. So it's it's just a little stipend of 44,000. It's, it's but they're also entitled to a sum or fee for every death that's notified to them. So in 2021, am I reading this right? 287,000 was spent by the council on the coroner's office. That's correct, PJ, when it breaks down into the three different headings and the number of deaths that were investigated or that were referred to the coroner. And in 2001, there was 1,337 deaths uh, reported to the coroner. In 2022, there was an expectation of 1,390. And I can go back over the years. I have the, actually the numbers over the years in relation to the different responding number of deaths that the coroner responds to. Yes. I suppose out of that, the, the coroner would be calling um, different uh, proceedings to place. And I, I was listening to Evan there a while ago, and look, just to say off the bat, my condolences to Evan yes, and his indeed. family. I know him personally, and I, and I know the family personally. Yes. Um, and he's dead right. He's making this argument, not just in relation to their family, but for every family out there. And I think we would all agree with that, uh, PJ. Yes. 
Um, you go through the numbers briefly, John. Yeah. I have them in front of me here. So, as I said, the salary isn't enormous, uh, 44000 but, you know, it's, it's an additional work, really, for a coroner. But if a death didn't need a post-mortem, it's, give it, as near as damn it, €130 Euro per Correct. case reported. If the death needed a post-mortem, it's €190. Euro per case reported. If it goes to an inquest in or around 525, which basically means <clears throat> for every inquest that's held on a sitting day, the coroner's office is paid 525 euro. They all add okay. up. And then the coroner is entitled to one member of staff which is paid for from their own resources. So coming out of those fees. And then right. the council pays for two other staff. So the entire staff of the coroner's service in Cork is four people, including the coroner, his or herself. Which isn't sufficient. And in fairness to the coroner himself, he has raised this yes. and he has requested an additional two staff. Two staff. Um, the council at uh, present are in discussions with the coroner in relation to where these two staff will come from and how they may be financed. Um, so that those discussions are currently ongoing, but the coroner is raising that this is an immediate um, issue that he needs to have resolved as quickly as possible to try and get through the backlog of cases that he has. So he has he, and I, I, I'm not too sure if Mr. Cummin has another job, but he has three staff, right, and and himself obviously, and the time he has to put into it. He only has three staff. He's told the council, I need five staff. Right. Where are those discussions, do you know? I know you were putting questions before the... the, the um, well, in fairness to the Lord Mayor, um, she, she has uh, organised meetings between the, the coroner and some of city council officials. And those discussions are ongoing at the moment. And there's a business plan being put together in relation to it. Uh, however, I, I will say that uh, the coroner himself has said cases should take nine months to a year, no longer. No longer. Um, and you can see that there is there is a huge backlog here and they're taking much longer in relation to this. Now, both the coroner and Cork City Council are in agreement that it's the Department of Justice should actually be funding the coroner's court but the Department of Justice are refusing to do this. Yes, that's the other thing. I remember my time doing the courts, Tom, and if I attended one inquest, I attended uh, 101, if not yeah. more. And the one thing I remember was even, and let's use the word with, with great care, even a straightforward inquest went into the same waiting list as one that was going to be complex. And, and, and that was because of a shortage of staff. Which is really unfortunate um, because you would say, again, no using your words, PJ, and I would agree with you, we need to be careful, a straightforward inquest. You, you would expect and presume that they would be dealt with quickly. You would um, give families closure and the more complex cases then would be allowed to spend more time on yes. them, really. Something, you know? something I found distressing to report on, so I can't imagine what it must be like to sit through it, was you'd have you'd have an inquest list and a number of, again, with great care, straightforward inquests in the same list as something that was going to be much more complex on the same day. And people stuck in the same space. For in, hours in on the same end. environment, correct, correct. Yeah. And looking at the devastation and reliving yeah. that devastation yeah. that yes. they had to live with. And if it wasn't it, for an old guard called Tim who looked after everybody so, so well, 
it would have been so much harder for them. I think he's retired now, but I do remember him at the time. Yeah. So, the, the discussions are ongoing anyway. Um, Tom, thanks. Evan, um, what's Christmas going to be like with this hanging over you as a family, lastly? Um, just thinking about it all the time now, and we just have to get on with the PJ, you know, try not to dwell on it too much. Yeah. Um, you know? Yeah. I've met you in your workplace. Um, you, you get on with things. It, it's it's a hard enough thing to do, though, isn't it, when this is hanging over the family? Yeah, it is. You yeah. know, I think about it all the time. How is everybody? Uh, they're doing well, you know. They're doing well. As well as can be expected, I suppose. Yeah. 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 You know, here's hopefully that hopefully someday soon or hopefully the next time that we talk, Evan, will be when the inquest is either about to be held or, or has been held and come to its and come to its conclusion and we'll and we'll talk then. Evan Gerns, thank you. And independent councillor Tom Maloney, thank you too. Situation with the coroner's court. Insane waiting list. The coroner himself looking for two more staff. Um to go through it again. Mr. Cummins is paid a stipend, as they call it, of 44000 Then there were fees per case, uh, a death that doesn't need a post-mortem, but that needs a post-mortem, and a death that goes to inquest. All different fees for those. Other costs then uh, involve more costs, pathology, histology, and undertakers, and council pays about seven hundred grand a year towards that. So the whole lot is costing in or around a million a year to the city council. In or around a million a year to the city council. Those figures were brought up at the meeting recently. But as a result of the delays, you have another family waiting now to try and get it done. 0818 96 96 96. The Cork Diary. On Cork's 96FM. The Cork Diary is a free service. So if you're a community group, a not-for-profit organisation, or you have a fundraising event you would like mentioned, let us know and we'll tell Cork all about it. Email the details to corkdiary at 96fm.ie. The Cork Diary. With corksimon.ie. No one wants their child to grow up to be homeless on Christmas Day. On Cork's 96FM. Get ready to meet the Cork's 96FM Street Fleet. Heading your way soon. Join the Street Fleet this Saturday at Douglas Village Shopping Centre from 12 till 2. We'll be there to celebrate the magical arrival of Santa Claus on his horse-drawn sleigh with music, fun and lots of giveaways. That's this Saturday from 12 at Douglas Village Shopping Centre with Cork's 96FM. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96FM. It's a mess out there traffic-wise again this morning. It's becoming way too familiar story now. Traffic chaos of a morning. In fact, just trying to grab a story that I saw in one of the newspapers. Um, that councillors are looking now for a debrief on what exactly is going on. Uh, it came up at recent council meetings and they're not happy. Last week, if you remember correctly, last week we were told that, oh, the city is full and we kind of don't have any more room. Yeah, Old English has the story here. Councillors have demanded a full debrief on roadworks and changes to traffic movements as the council struggles with rising congestion. This came after Paddy Deneen, Councillor Paddy Deneen, who was trying to get a special discussion at the city council meeting. Uh, it didn't happen for him. Traffic is just insane. Denise, line three, where are you this morning? 
Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. Where are you? I'm just parking up and work in MTU, and I was coming up uh, Wilton Road, and um, the turn right at Denny's Cross. Yes. There's a car there, hazard lights on, and it's just abandoned. Okay. Does it look like it's been in a crash or something? No, 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 no. I'd say something could have happened to the car, something maybe the car died or something, I don't know. But the hazards are on, there's nobody in the car, and it's just abandoned in that lane. So it's, there's a, like when you're driving up, you don't realise that the car is there until you're actually at it. Sure, sure. So this is as you're coming, so you were headed towards MTU, which meant you were heading Wilton Way? Yes. Right, so, and and then, um, where exactly is the car? Is it above Dennehy's Cross or below it? It's below it, it's just before the turn off to come up Dennehy's, to come up. Denny's Cross. Oh, I have you. Oh, I have you there now. Just before Denny's Cross. Right. There's a Tesco's there on the corner of that's Denny's it, Cross. That's yeah, that's it. That's it. Right, right. And it's just there, near the farm yeah. centre then. That's it. Crikey. That'll hold up everything. Buses, cars, everything. It is the whole arse, the whole arse. That left lane is getting... So people back along don't realise what's going on. I didn't realise until I was actually up for it. There was a few, like, I'd say if people had their windows down, I'd say people were telling them what to do. Yes. But I, I had my window up, and I was, it wasn't until I was up behind that car, I realised it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, and traffic is, look, traffic is mental as it is already, do you know? Oh, I know, I know. And and you were, the, now, the, how long is it since you passed that car? Uh, about, about three to four minutes. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Okay, so it's 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 still there, at least we're there up to a few minutes ago. Denise, thanks. Leah? Hello. Dun Kettle. Yeah, there's a car broken down just in the middle of the Dun Kettle roundabout. Oh, we were coming from oh, the Glanmire no. side, going through to the around into the tunnel, and it's just in the middle of the road. So just to be careful. Okay. Okay. Does it look like it's been there long? The people around, um, like I, you'd feel awful for anyone who breaks down like that. Yeah, he. I felt sorry for him. He was on his own, and he was outside the car on the phone. So I'd say he was on to somebody trying to get him to move the car. But yeah, I'd say that's probably about 10 minutes ago now, so hopefully yeah. they're gone now. But there's there's a free rescue service is. down there at the moment, I think, in the middle of all the roadworks. They've got a free rescue service that comes out. I hope they'll come out and sort him out. Hopefully. Him to, oh God. Thank you, thank you, Leah. Yeah, yeah, and I was, at one point, was driving a car that could just sit down and refuse to go anywhere. So I know what it's like. And a cold morning like this was just the morning it would do it to you. Thanks, Denise, and thanks, Leah. Yeah, that story that Owen has was saying councillors were looking for a discussion, that they're being bombarded by phone calls. A discussion is needed. Can we get a debrief on the strategy? Effectively, Paddy Deneen stood up and asked in the council, can we please be told what the hell is going on? And he didn't get any response. He didn't didn't get the suspension of standing orders and, and the discussion wasn't scheduled. But I And is it just me? Is it just me? Tell me if it's just me. Tell me if I'm overstating the problem. Tell me if I'm whipping it up. You know, we in the media, we're always accused of whipping things up and making problems where they don't exist. Please tell me if I'm wrong here. But I'm driving around this city a hell of a long time and I'm driving into these studios 
these very studios. I'm driving in here since 1994. And I can never remember traffic chaos like I'm seeing at the moment. Tell me I'm wrong. I'd be delighted to know it. 0818969696. Mind you, mind you, the world may be saved. There is a solution. There is one man, not from the Marvel Universe either. There is one man who says he can put it all right. Next. You guys ready? Watch out, watch out. Drive home weekdays from four on Corks ninety six FM. Bashing out some big prizes this week on the show. I'll be making some very exciting calls on the ten k toy giveaway, and I could be calling you next. Adam, guess what? What? You won a five hundred euro yes! toy shopping spree. And thanks to the all-new Frasers at Mahan Point Shopping Centre, I've got 200 euro gift cards up for grabs too. Listen in for your chance to win every weekday from four. The Big Drive Home. With Kevin O'Leary, Silver Springs. The new home for Suzuki and Cork. Hybrid has never been so affordable. Call now to ensure January delivery. Cork's 96 FM. Don't mind the traffic. Don't mind the, the, the disruption in the morning. One man. One man. One saviour. A saviour is among us to sort it out. Our country is in a horrible state. We're in grave trouble. This is not a task for a politician or a conventional candidate. This is a task for a great movement that embodies the courage, confidence, and the spirit of the American people. This is a movement. This is not for any one individual. This is a job for tens of millions of proud people working together from all across the land and from all walks of life, young and old, black and white, Hispanic and Asian, many of whom we have brought together for the very, very first time. In order to make America great and glorious again, I am tonight announcing my candidacy for President of the United States. Tell you, here's sort out the traffic downtown. I am joking, of course. Tess, morning. Good morning, PJ. Your Are thoughts? you trying to have my breakfast come up? <laughs> oh my God! I am. I am joking, of course. But, but, but it was always going to happen. He was always going to. Oh go yeah, with yeah, yeah. I mean, all the years I lived in New York, I didn't know anybody who didn't know that the Donald was delusional. You know, um, he just got encouraged, and then all of a sudden they realized they'd hatched a monster. Mm. So now. Uh, he doesn't realize the damage he's done, and he's going to keep on with his delusions for as long as he can find somebody to support them. I don't think he's going to get anywhere. But think he uh, get the nomination? I can't see how they would. It, he's divided the party and everything so much and has uh, created such calamity and pain that I can't see... Him going anywhere. Thing is, is he, it's you either know? him or Mr. DeSantis. Like, there isn't um, a more right private now. choice. Yeah, right now. But he could have enough followers to divide the party and not get the votes. No matter what happens, he's going to say that there's fraud. I mean, he said there was fraud in the election yes. that he won. And all of his followers are now saying there was fraud in the midterms, which, okay, the Republicans won Congress, but Democrats held Senate, as you well know, which is important exactly. for Joe Biden. The red wave didn't happen, but they're already no. saying it was faked. And and they're going to keep on saying it. And the thing is, I don't know how they figure 
that anybody had the time or the patience to do all this. And his followers just keep going out further and further on the thin branch. And unfortunately, when they break that branch, everybody is going to suffer for it. Do you know, Tess, and if he does come through the the selection process and, and become the Republican candidate, there's every chance that Joe Biden will run again. And, and because the Democrats don't seem to have someone to stand in his place... And well, they're you, not ready to support no, Kamala Harris. They're not. That's the point I was making. And, yeah. and and the thing is that you're looking at 2024, and with all due respect, two old men howling at the moon yeah. for, for, for control of the second biggest economy in the world, or the biggest economy in the world. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I, I honestly dread the idea, but I think it's still a possibility that there will be a second civil war. Um, yeah, you know, and uh, I mean, I, uh, I've seen a lot of things in my life and sitting there during the pandemic and sitting there during an insurrection. Yeah. And, See, if it wasn't for the uh, pandemic test, and, and this is another thing that observers and I have friends who live in America and I have a, one particular friend who is a very <laughs> astute observer of American politics purely mm-hmm. as a hobby. If it wasn't for yeah. COVID... He was slam dunk for a second term. Slam dunk. Yeah, yeah. I, it really would have, it really would have gone that way. Um, but he has always been a kind of leader in uh, delusional uh, destruction, if you want to put it that way. Mm. Um, and any time he's let get away with something. Now I was told by someone, "Oh, I'm condemning the man and not, not looking at the policies and that." But they weren't his policies. He did only what he thought yeah. he could agree to that was ex- was expedient. And even then, he tried to make a mess out of well, them. I remember talking to my pal Gabby Cabby in New York in the early days of, of the Trump mm-hmm. regime. And, and Peter was saying to me, look, he said, one thing's for sure. The economy is alive here. People, There's more work than people can do. And, and, and yeah. he... As a businessman, he put everywhere. the economy on fire. Uh, I, I think in some ways someone did. I hate giving him credit because he actually never came across when I lived there as having a clue of how things really worked. Oh, oh you, were there, you were there while he was – were you there while he was in power, Tess? I was there while he was trying to uh, pretend he was a real estate mogul. Okay. Uh, I left there before he became the television okay. star, if you want to call it. But even back then, uh, you know, it was kind of there was too much money to fail. So he would get away with whatever. And I don't think people realized just what a horrible reputation he had as a businessman, because if in doubt, there would just be money thrown at the problem. Yeah. And it would go away. So the economy may have been stimulated in many ways, but it didn't go to some of the areas. He he worked on the fear mongering, and there's still, for all the improvements, there's still a huge area that uh, across the country that they are, they may have jobs, but they can't pay their bills yes, because they don't get paid enough. There's also a lot of people who actually believe in the guy, who really do believe in yeah, the guy. You know, that's and the it, frightening it, thing. Yeah, yeah, Tess. Leave it there. Thank you very much. He's back in the race, Donald Trump. 
He confirmed it last night. He is running again in 2024. Your thoughts are welcome. Um, I don't know who he'll run against. You could well have Joe Biden and himself going again in 2024. Like, and and I'm you know I'm I'm not being ageist here. I'm just saying two elderly men howling at the moon for control of the United States of America. It, it's it's a horrible thought, to be honest. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Now something else entirely. Tando, you run a cleaning business uh, here in Cork, and you've come across a man who you say needs help and needs it urgently. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. What 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 have you found, or who have you met? Oh, I just I got a call from this gentleman, and he wanted this carpet clean. So I, he didn't ask too many questions. So I just went over anyway. And when I knocked, he opened the door. It took some time anyway to open the door. And oh, the moment he opened the door, oh, it was so depressing. Like just the smell yes. in the house. And then he took me up the stairs to show me the room. It's and a carpeting business you have, isn't yes, it? Yes, it's a carpet, yes. And when I went up the stairs, it was all lino anyway, but it was all damp and broken and just, you know, destroyed. So anyway, I was like, oh, the smell of pee here. And I'm like, okay, that could be sorted. We went to the room upstairs. Oh, what a shock. Oh, it just looked like something, I don't know, I took a horror movie. We're, we're obviously not going to name the man or indeed say where no, this, this was no. but, but yeah. she, the carpet was caked with human waste, correct? With human waste and tea and I just couldn't, I just said I cannot use the buffer here anyway, I knew because I did do another job after I said there's no waste, unless if you're using a disposable buffer maybe yeah. <laughs> but, what, what, uh, what he needs is a new carpet and like if I use a buffer, like a brushing thing, there's no way that I would have just cleaned it anyway, because it was just going to be... Anyway, no, and no carpet cleaner would touch that, put it that way. Yes, yes. Now, yeah. the man the man is clearly in poor health. You were saying that there's a hospital he, bed he is, in his room. Yeah. And, and yeah. he's shaking all the time. And, oh, yeah. You know, he, yeah, and we were able to talk to him. I yeah, I kind of... It was very hard to spend 10 minutes, I said, but I sit down here and then I just talked to him. I took about 10, 15 minutes just trying to get... Not asking personal questions, but just to get if there's anyone who's coming over to him to look after him. And yeah, he did open up. He just said, there's no one. He's got no relatives. And he said, there's a nurse who comes. I said, how could the nurse leave you in this situation? Like, I suppose the nurses, their hands are tight as well. Yes. So I said, do you have a carer? He said, uh, she comes here three days a week. Yeah, um, there's a, nur- a nurse know. or a carer or someone calls in to see him. Yeah. But he's no relatives. He's no family. He's no, no, he's no family at all. But I was just saying, how could the carer even leave you? Couldn't they go back to the office and report? Like, he's the dump. It's damp, the carpet is black. It's damp and there's, the ceiling is almost falling. Yeah. Uh, oh, I, I don't know, I can't describe it. Even no. now, when I think of it, I'll take a shower. No, it's, it, it's, it, it is upsetting. Tando, thank you for contacting us about, about that. So Tando, just to summarise, Tando has her own cleaning business and she got contacted to know she could clean for this elderly man living on his own. He seems to be in bad health. His living conditions are shocking. Uh, she was called about cleaning his carpets they're just beyond cleaning and they're caked in human waste is what she said to us she doesn't really know where to go now to help him he needs someone at least who can replace the carpet but she also thinks he needs care he has a hospital bed in his room 
looks to be in, in, in bad health and there's a stink in the house. You can just imagine the situation. Tando, thank you for bringing that to our attention. But let me go. I'll leave her back with you there, Emer. Uh, I'll bring in a man who will surely know where to start, at least. Paddy O'Brien. He's gone, lads. He was on one. I had Paddy O'Brien on one. He's gone. Uh, but that's a very sad situation that this man is living in. Tando has her own carpet cleaning business, just to resume. He, he called her, wanted to have his place cleaned it's beyond cleaning the carpet is just beyond cleaning nothing you can do about it uh, it needs to be taken up it's, and the conditions in which he's living she found very upsetting Paddy good morning TJ Paddy that is, uh, that's it, the most awful case isn't it yeah. man isn't it and you've, you, mean, and you've it, seen it all Paddy I have yeah and that's very very it's awful and um, what that man, that gentleman needs now of course is care I will try to do something about it later on. You can try to give me his address and telephone number later on or off, off. But what regrettably, that this is not an isolated case at all. Yes. I, I, I mean, I'm coming, I'm coming across this every, every so often that leaving, leave people living in appalling, appalling conditions. I mean, this man, if he has, if he has, a medical bed or hospital bed, that means that the HSC are in touch with him. So obviously they should, they should, they should be making calls. And I don't very much, I mean, I, I have great admiration for, for the nurses out in the district, the public health nurses. I have great admiration for them. And they work very hard. But if any, if any nurse experienced that, her first move would be like to have the place cleaned and look after I think from what that lady says, Tando, that this man should be in hospital. He should be in long-term care. He can't care for himself. He has not. He, he doesn't have a family. Yes. I gather. I think she said he has. He has um, there's uh, no relatives uh, called. The only there's there's, uh, there's some kind of a care worker, a nurse. We yeah, think yeah. might and, be and a PHN. Again, we don't know. Calling a couple of times a week. And the thing, the point is that if if, if there's a carer calling, surely. I mean, that carer is, is being employed or engaged by the, the HSE. <clears throat> and if things are as bad as Tando says, that surely to God, that person would, would contact the authorities when they see a, a, a gentleman living in awful, awful, that awful conditions. Yes. Um, I suppose it tells us all one thing, mm-hmm. that... The most important people in any area, looking when when you're speaking about elderly people, are visitors, are elderly, are neighbours. Neighbours have a very uh, important role to play. I'm not saying go and live with them and live that night and day. No, but to keep an eye. And if neighbours, our neighbour was to knock on the door and see that man's, this would be highlighted a, a, long, a long time ago. Kate is asking a question, Paddy, and it's a good one. If someone is calling him, calling to him, a nurse or home help or anyone, would it not be protocol for them to report it? Oh, for definite. That's why I'm shocked and appalled, quite honestly. I am shocked and appalled at a, 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 um, a person um, who has been supplied with a, a hospital bed. The man must be uh, fairly disabled, that he can't go up, can't go up the stairs. Uh, in some cases, and if if he's the recipient of a hospital bed, means that he's not in great health. Number one, and when there's somebody calling, a, ca- a carer calling, that carer is employed to some 
um, degree by the HSE, and that person should see for themselves. All right. They should see for themselves. Here's what we'll do, Paddy. Here's what we'll do. Our time is short today. We'll talk again. Here's what we'll do. We'll put you in touch off the air with Tendo. We'll get all the information swapped between the two of you, and there's nobody but nobody who knows more about this stuff and the services available and how to get it and who to call and who to make bother for than Paddy O'Brien. So, Paddy, we, and we, you, you and I will talk again before Christmas, my friend, but but definitely we're going to fill you in on this one, all right? Yeah, that's KPJ. Thanks, thanks Paddy. Thanks, thanks yeah, Paddy. Bye-bye. 0818 That's distressing. When we're playing Ed Sheeran, is he giving you the shivers? Or is Eliza Rose the absolute baddest of them all? Tell us the music you want to hear. And what songs should disappear with the Cork's 96FM Music Panel. Take our 10-minute music survey. And you could win a 100-euro pennies voucher. Give it a go right now. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Or see 96FM.ie. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, your next chance to get into the 10K toy giveaway coming up very, very soon. In fact, I would say the next half an hour. You're waiting for that little message that says it's time to get involved. And then you text a WhatsApp 083 396 96 We had a winner yesterday, qualified on the opinion line. Maybe we'll have the same look again today. So we'll do that in the next 30 minutes. We'll find a qualifier for the 10K toy giveaway on Cork's 96FM. PJ, with all respects to Joe Biden, the man doesn't know if he's coming or going half the time. That's on voicemail. Are you trying to say the USA is a better place with Biden? No, I'm not. Never said anything of the sort. But there's a lot of people out there who like Donald Trump. I'd have to say that the the Queen Bee holds a certain admiration for the guy. Along the lines of, well, he just will not back down. He just will not go away. He doesn't care. He's just determined to go back there and, and, and go again and, and have another cut off it. And he has the money to do it. That's the thing. It'll be very interesting over the next, uh, I suppose, year or so. They kind of start, don't they? They start months and years in advance for for the next election. So we'll see. We'll see. We did uh, see if Tony, who accused me of being biased against Trump, if he was interested in taking a call, but uh, he hasn't come back to us. Tony, we're able to listen if you want to talk to us 0818 96 96 96 now I mentioned earlier on that in my time as a reporter council meetings were blood sweat and tears skin and hair flying shouting and roaring from all sides of the house I remember one famous night where there had to be Dino's brought in to the council chamber and it was Dino himself was Lord Mayor at the time when he brought the, the Dinos into the council chamber. It was some ungodly hour of the night and we all had to be fed and replenished. That was just the press uh, before they could get the, the budget over the line, which they eventually did. Nowadays, budgets are totally different things entirely. Yesterday, it was agreed like that in, in a few hours. 
And among the things agreed was a huge hike in commercial business rates. President of Cork Business Association is Kevin Hurley from Hurley Centre. Kevin, I'll talk to you in a minute about the property situation. You have your own way around that for your staff. But as a business owner in the city centre, how did you feel about that increase in rates last night? Morning. Hi, PJ. Good morning. Um, Personally, very, very disappointed and despondent over the whole thing. Um, 3.8% I feel is just very, very high. Um, it, it's really, it's, it's just, as Paddy Janine said last night in, in the council meeting, it's just another nail in the coffin. Like we're being hit with energy increases, um, with inflationary increases, with staff wages increases. It's just being hit left, right and centre. Every single day I open up my email and there's something new, there's some increase and this is just yet another one. So from a personal business point of view and perspective I'm very very disappointed however from a CBA perspective I would say that it's now essential that central government give more funding to Cork City Mm. for the likes of marketing and for developing the city further. The rates like you said come on I was talking to another business person in the city centre last weekend who was dreading this and said look insurance wages energy Lighting, heating and rates are the biggest problem. And the rates are based not on turnover, but on the size of your premises. Exactly. And it's also based on the location of your, your premises. So my premises in Patrick Street would be paying almost double the rent, the rates of um, my premises on, on Oliver Plunkett Street. And look, we've always accepted that. You know, that's just part and parcel of doing business. But, you know, 3.8 was very, very steep. And I'm surprised it, it got through so easily. I was, I was surprised, I have to yeah. say. Yeah, the, the argument from the city manager or the chief exec is that you haven't had a substantial rates rise in over, over a decade. That's the argument. True, but we haven't had a 400% um, energy price increase either. So That's exactly you know, what I was um, thinking myself, actually. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, so it's just, we're just being hit, like we're being, we're being shelled from every corner, unfortunately. Um, but look, I, I always want to accentuate the positive and I hope that we'll, we'll ride the storm here and that things might yeah. settle down a bit in 2023. That's what I'd be hoping. The other crisis, and you yourself have gone about it in a unique way, you have bought a house to try to house your staff in. Yeah, so um, when we came out of lockdown last year, and even before COVID, um, we were finding it very, very hard to get staff, very hard to get people. Um, and so then last summer, we made a decision to uh, rent a house in, in uh, Glasheen. And um, we rented the house and we got people in there and they came to work for us. We brought them in from a, a recruitment agency in Croatia. So they're all different nationalities. They're Romanian, Croatian, uh, Moldovan, Greek, Spanish, all sorts. And then really it just snowballed well, well, from there. Was there such a chronic shortage of, of, of Irish people looking for work, Kevin, was there? Absolutely, yeah. Huge shortage of them. Huge. We, we were advertising left, right and centre on the window, online, um, through our retail partners, Musgraves, all of that kind of stuff. And just every centre of super value and hospitality business in the country is feeling the same pinch in relation to getting staff. So this is just a, a model that we went down. Mm. Um, so we rented a few houses and then we ended up buying one afterwards. Yes. So how many staff do you have across your businesses? Uh, we have 300 PJ across the company. Wow! Um, including including 10 about 10 people working in our head office out of our store in Moy, where they wow. do all the accounts and all that. Yeah. 
So That's a bigger uh, company than I thought, Kevin. Yeah, so it's about 140 of them are full-time. So that 140, the, the 30 people that we've now housed are all on full-time contracts. So it has certainly alleviated the situation and it's been great for the business. And they're absolutely fantastic people because they're over here to experience the culture of Ireland. And as one guy said to me the other day, experience the reign of Ireland. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, they're here to earn money as well to, to send home or to bring home afterwards, whatever it is. And, you know, we're, we're, we're delighted to have them. Yeah. I have to and say. you have great great staff in all your shops. Anytime I pop in, they're lovely, they're smiling, they're positive, they're good, they're, they're good people. You've got good staff. But, again, put on your CBA hat for a second. If you've had to go and actually buy a house... To, to help to get your staff housed, that indicates a massive, massive crisis across the board. Oh, it's it's huge. As I said to um, somebody else recently, I'm working in this business 22 years. Um, you know, the, our, our business is 42 years old this year, started back in, in 1980 by my dad and myself and my brother Brian, who run the business now. We have never, ever seen anything like this. And if you had said to me five years ago that, you know what, you're going to have to end up housing your staff I would have uh, like you know it's always kind of been a been a, a thing in, in the hotel business where they would have had staff houses and whatever and I lived in France for a year and I was in a staff house myself so I would have experienced that mm. but it, it's just something that I would never have envisaged and you know it's it's part and parcel of the business now and we just got to get on with it yeah there's so much upstairs space and as you know with two businesses in particular there in the city centre there's so much upstairs space that's just empty rooms we have to be able to do something about that yeah this is a big conundrum um and to be fair to cork city council they've tried numerous initiatives to try and get people to start living over the shop. I think that's what it's called, the living over the shop initiative. Yes, it did but it in you, the 90s. It, never, it, never, it took off in the North Main Street in a small way, but never anywhere else. Really. No, never. If you walk down Patrick Street at 9 or 10 o'clock at night and just look upstairs over all the shops, there isn't a sinner living up there. I think there was a study done. I think there was like two or three people living on Patrick Street at one stage, you know. so like um, I think actually Dan Boyle's late mother, she passed away recently, Sheila. Dan's late mother, Sheila, was the last person to live on Patrick Street. Really, I didn't know that. No, PJ, yeah. that's uh, that's interesting. But I, with the with the whole shortage of accommodation, and I spoke at an event last Friday about this. That you know, there's loads of jobs going to be created in the next few years in Cork. The Queensland Castle has got planning now, and there's going to be between, I think it's something between eight and nine hundred people that are going to go work inside there, um, which is fantastic. But we're kind of saying. Where are these people going to live? Yes. You know, they don't want to. They don't want to be commuting through the traffic out to Carrigaline and Ballincollig every day if they're working in the city centre. They want to. They want to be living within 15 minutes of their work, and this is why at the, at the event last Friday we were really trying to accentuate that home to the developers of Cork City uh, who were uh, in attendance at the function mm-hmm. that they re- we really need to start building close to the city centre sooner rather than later. Is, is there an easier way by taking over those upstairs? rooms and literally just converting them because some of them okay they might need a bit of rewiring and a bit of work but you could surely create a couple a dozen if not a, a hundred apartment or bedrooms around the city there on the upper floors there's office office buildings empty on the south mall you could put loads of people upstairs I think you could, you could, PJ, but I, I do believe that there's a lot of fire safety issues there as well, which is, which is obviously a very uh, important aspect of the whole it thing. Is, but they, but they, I mean, they solve these problems elsewhere, Kevin. You know, they solve them in other countries. They do. 
Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I, I, th- I think what you're saying is 100% correct, and I'd love to see more people living right and smack inside in the city centre. I really would. I think it would add a massive vibrancy um, to mm. the city. Like if you're ever if you're ever in Paris or if you're ever in Nice and you're walking down those main streets and any of those boulevards, you know, the whole of upstairs, they're all full. Kevin, Kevin one, one of my favourite cities, one of my favourite cities is Palma in, in Mallorca. I, I just love Palma. And the, those little small streets where the things are up to six and seven stories. You have a shop on the ground floor and you could have two or three tiny apartments with people living in them up on the third, fourth and fifth floor. They use every yeah. square foot they have. And we could and we should be doing it. We should be finding some way to do it. You'd agree? I agree. I agree 100%, PJ. And I would, I'd be just similar to my favourite city in in um, Europe is Nice. And I lived there for a year. And it, it, upstairs over every shop and every business, there's, as you said, the small, uh, you know, the, the, I wouldn't call them bedsits. They call them studios over there. And there's no reason why we can't do that. If, if, if the will and and the the want is there, and I just finish off in this PJ, the want and the will that was there in 2019 when COVID hit regarding putting seating on the streets, we would have never seen anything like that. And it was just the council and the traders in the city all said, you know what, let's go ahead. That's and let's a stunning do point. That's, that's a super yeah, point. That we do for this. We've created something for Cork that came out of COVID, but will be brilliant for Cork for every year, every year hence. Absolutely, I agree. And now we've got another crisis. After COVID, we've got a, a living crisis, a housing crisis. And there's no reason why these, the bricks and the mortars and the windows are all there. And as you said, absolutely might need a bit of rewiring or a bit of replumbing. Um, and I'm sure there's, there's actually might be even government funding available for that. So we should definitely be, be moving forward on it. All right, Kevin, thank you very much. Kevin Hurley, Cork Business Association President and the uh, owner of the Hurley's Centre chain of shops, 300 people employed. Those rate hikes are enormous. Enormous. Someone just said here, can, can, through to us, this is someone who's in business but would prefer not to give their name. They really brought it in under the radar. It was, they released their plan at half 11. The vote was at half four. If only everything else was as efficient. Realistically, we, we'll have more reductions in, to fund their pay increases. If central government set new pay rates, they should be funding the pay increases from their budgets, not leaning on the private sector to fulfil their promises. Oh, this is the public sector pay deal. And the person on the end of the phone is thinking, well, yeah, they put up the wages in the public sector pay deal. And here they are now, hit the rent or hit the, hit the rates to pay for it. Something else that's in the, in the paper this morning, and we talked about it Friday after it happened, is this discussion that's ongoing about Heineken and the price of beer and the percentage price of the keg. Another well-known publican, uh, Stephen Hackett, who has Nana's down on Douglas Street, he says that many premises will close as a result of this. 17 cents approximately per pint just to bring in the keg, which means most pints will go up, probably double that. Uh, And it was brought in last week and pub owners are struggling as it is in the cost of living crisis and there's another city centre publican saying this is going to put pubs out of business. 0818 96 96 96. There was an Arctic broken down at the bottom of Gordon's Hill. Oh God. Big delays there. Presumably it's moved on. And on the briefing that councillors were looking for with regard to traffic and the arrangements for traffic 
Councillor Mick Nugent was on to say myself and Kenneth Collins also put a motion before Council looking for a briefing on the recent traffic changes and how they fit into an overall plan. There will be a discussion at the next Roads Committee meeting. Martin's a bus driver and got on to us here at 083 396 96 They redid all the keys but never changed the traffic light sequences. What on earth did the council expect? Kate, on the subject of living over the shop and living over the premises, and as I look down here now from Studio One, well, it's a foggy morning, but I know where I'm looking. Down there onto Patrick Street, I'm looking down at the great premises on Patrick Street, up and down Patrick Street, and all of the empty space overhead that could be filled with people living and working in the city like they do in many other places around the world. So don't come back to me from City Hall and say, oh, it's not as simple as that. They can do it everywhere else. Why can't we do it here? PJ Coogan on the Opinion Line. Silver winner. Silver winner. Best news story at the Imro Radio Awards 2022. Corks 96 FM. Among the many, many things that have changed over the years of this programme is the openness of people to talk about things like menopause and particularly of younger women to talk about things like uh, menopause. Um, Eileen Keane of jumpstartyourconfidence.com. Through your own work, Eileen, and your own experience, you've come across women dealing with perimenopause, which we now know. If you'd said to me uh, five years ago, what's perimenopause, PJ? I wouldn't have known. I wouldn't have had a clue what it was. And I think a lot of other people wouldn't have, including people who were in the middle of it, wouldn't have known what it was. But it's a real thing now, and it can affect everything, including parenting, including those important years where you're parenting, in particular, teenagers. And as someone who has parented some teenagers in my time, and as someone who once was a teenager, you might have forgotten that, parenting teenagers is a pain in the arse without perimenopause. So what it must be like with it, God alone knows. And of course, it can start in your late 30s or early 40s and, and with mums having kids later now you could even be landed with a couple of smallies and be in the middle of, of perimenopause and Eileen has come across all of this in the course of her work with Jumpstart Your Confidence and she's uh, she's actually put it up on Facebook that there is support out there if you feel extra irritable and sad and no motivation and you're wondering why go to the doctor, try to get the help you need because the help is is out there Talk to Eileen in just a sec. Just release that line for me, lads, as soon as you're ready. Don't forget the 10K toy giveaway coming up. Be listening. It's not far away. We're going to do another 10K toy giveaway. We had a winner yesterday. We might have another one today. Right, she's there now. Eileen, morning. Hi, PJ. How are you? Good. Like I said, five years ago, if you said to me, what's perimenopause? I'd have thought it was a cocktail. I mean that. I would have had no idea what it is. And, and I think some people who are actually living through it had no idea yeah. what it was. Now they do. And through your own work and your own experience, you're reaching out to help. Well, you know, I suppose I just want to try and throw an awareness out there because, as you said, a lot of people don't seem to realise the impact that perimenopause can have because when I'm working with a lot of kids and teens, very often I'll work with their mothers afterwards. And I am speaking about mums here because that's the experience I'm having. Um, and, you know, a lot of the mums are struggling because you can tend to hit this phase as your kids come into their early teens, mm. mid-teens, which can be a very, which actually is a very typical time as well. So there can be a huge clash there. But I think, 
you know, when I'm talking to mums, mums very often put themselves last in the pile. You know, they put, they put all the stress, the change in mood, the irritability, the, you know, the upset, the sadness, whatever they may be feeling, they can often put down to just the trolls of parenting and the hardship that they may be going through there. But very often it's not. And I suppose in my own personal experience, I definitely reacted worse, a lot worse, to perimenopause than I ever did when I began menopause. And that was something I wasn't aware of at the time either. And I know my kids would have felt the pinch of that one as well. Whereas I'm just saying... You had had no idea you were going through it, no? Well, I just didn't realise it was a thing. Yeah. You know, I suppose all the talk was... And thankfully, there is an awful lot more conversation now. But, you know, the mums I'm talking to, a lot of people still don't seem to put themselves first there to go and get the support and the help because, you know, if we're losing hormones and it's affecting us in our mood and humour and energy and a thousand different ways, you know, we need to find ways to support and help ourselves. And there is support and help out there. So I'm just saying, if anybody out there is at home or at work and saying, oh my God, I'm cracking up, this is happening and this is happening. And if they feel that's not the norm for them, taking into account the normal parenting stress but if it's going over and above that then just give it a minute's thought that actually this is what it could be because it's not the end of your cycles like you could be still having them full on proper every month which I think is the thing that threw me Um, but even if that's still going strong you can still very much be in the middle of perimenopause which can be very debilitating in so many ways and it affects you hugely but it also affects can affect the family a lot as well. You you realised yourself, did you, that something wasn't right but you couldn't put your finger on it? Is that what it was? Absolutely. Like, I actually remember I had one particular weekend where I was just really low and it was very unusual for me now. And a friend of mine called and she was in the medical field and I was explaining it and she said, oh, girl, I've been like that for the last two years. And I kind of looked at her and went, well, I won't. Because I couldn't live like this. Yeah. What, what kind of things? You say you were like, what kind well, of things? Well, my one, that particular weekend that kind of set off emotion in me to go and get help was just an overall black cloud over my head. I'd never experienced anything like it. I couldn't understand why I was feeling low because there wasn't any particular reason out there out of the norm. Mm. But I had no control over it. And I think that's the part that for women out there that you, you know, if it's that feeling or irritability or crankiness or whatever, but you know as soon as you've shouted at someone or you've reacted dramatically and the words have come out and you're like why did I do that Yes, and you don't understand why you're reacting like that so what you're saying is Eileen the, the normal measured considered Eileen that has spoken to me dozens of times about teenagers and minding teenagers and helping them to grow the normal yeah. measured cool calm and collected Eileen was a different beast oh it was really difficult it was really difficult, PJ, you know, because I think it was, OK, fair enough, it was my lack of knowledge, and but I didn't, it didn't even enter my head. Like my kids, I have four daughters, it was all very chaotic, but I know I was reacting to things and I was causing the atmosphere in the house to be a lot harder than it could have been. Mm-hmm. So I suppose that's what I'm saying to mums, you know, don't wait, don't let that consume you and be become the person, you know, because it doesn't have to be like that. If it, did, like, if it doesn't feel right, go get it checked. Absolutely. And the only person who knows what feels right in you is you. So trust yourself and, you know, don't be listening to people going, ah, that's the norm and oh, look, you're stressed and oh, whatever. If you know that you're behaving or acting or feeling in a way that's not you, then you've got to look into it. And when you found out that it's what it was, perimenopause, what 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 were you able to do then? Well, I remember going on um, 
it was a supplement called I think it was Meno Mini. I think it was called as a pink box. Sure. But honest to God, I really, really felt a difference, and I really felt a difference if I forgot about it for a week. Right. A hundred percent. And as time went on, I suppose you know, then I kind of felt I balanced out a bit, and I was kind of doing all right. And as I hit the full-on menopause, I definitely felt I was a lot better than I was in the peri, to be honest. But for some people, that's reversed, you know, and they fly through the peri and they don't know. And then something comes upon them in the menopause. And I think we've all been kind of hearing the horror stories of HRT and whatever. And it's come from our grandparents and parents, you know. But I think we've moved on a long way from that. And I have yet to meet a doctor who won't recommend it. And I suppose the the way I myth. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's been busted now. For years, people thought that HRT was a direct path to, to cancer. Absolutely. We now I, know that that is not true. Well, I think people still hold on to it, though. There's a fear, you know. There is an inbuilt little fear in there of, gosh, should I go down that road? Mm. You know, which is the lesser two evils? Should I just get on with it like my mother or grandmother did? And that's another thing, I think, for people is to look at. It seems to be quite hereditary, too. Look at, you know, ask if you have a, a, a mom who's alive or whatever, have a conversation and see if they remember what they went through because it's very often quite similar. But the new medical, the new medical side of HRT and that, you know, if we're losing hormones and it's affect and it it affects your bone density, it affects your skin, your hair, your nails, as well as your joints, your moods, flushes, everything else. Why would we not try and replace something that's leaking out, that we're losing out of our body? You know, I might think I mean, that you know some women who might talk to their mom might be met with. Sure, we all have to go through that. You'll be fine. That and was the old. That was the old mentality. Of course, it was. And like, if that's the case, then you just take a breath and say, "Well, I'm breaking that cycle because I'm not going to live like this, and I don't want my kids to think they need to live like this." Yeah. I think it's an open conversation, and you know, also for people who are who know maybe that they're going through the perimenopause or menopause, you know, have a chat with your kids. You know, if you if you say something and you you're roaring and screaming or whatever, like I often do at least be able to say, look, sorry, lads, it's actually nothing to do with you. 
Because when we when we do react like that, they do take it personally and they do feel hurt. And I suppose that's a lot of the reason why I wanted to come on this morning is because of the kids I work with and equally the mums who are really upset with the way they're feeling too. And they know it's stirring stuff unnecessarily within the home. So have a conversation, you know, and let the kids know that this is something that you're actually, you know, that it's a phase of life that you're going through and it's difficult and you're doing your best and you're going to try and get support or whatever, but that it's not about them. Yes. You, because, you 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 didn't cause mum to be upset and spontaneously no. start to cry. And, you know, unfortunately, kids do automatically say, well, what have I done? What have I done to make her like this? Why is she shouting like that? Or why is she speaking to me like that? Or what have I done? And they will invariably put it back in themselves. And that's not fair either. Yes. So it's just being a bit honest with them as well. Yeah, coming back to your, your, your day job, as it were, Eileen. Yeah. So a mum of whatever age and perimenopause we now know can hit quite young so if you're if your children are of an age where they might understand mm-hmm. talk to them well I think all kids will kind of understand once you're just telling them really it's not about them it's not their behaviour that's stirring it it's maybe you distressed day and you're just reacting but it's something you're going through it's about you just take it back on yourself like I've had mums break into tears in my room so many times it's awful, you know. And I know the general run of parenting can cause that anyway, let's be honest. But, yes. You know, if it is, you know, when I'm looking at people and I kind of figure they're at a certain age, I will always bring this up just to say, look, just in case there's a way you might be able to support and help you. Because first and foremost, and like even in my book, the whole first chapter is 100% on look after yourself as a parent mm. so that then you're in a position to parent the way you want. Yeah. You know, I only started to think about it recently when I was watching stuff like, say, Grania Shoiga's documentary recently and a few mm-hmm. other things. That I'm talking now to someone like yourself this morning. Like, teenagers are hard work at the best of times. But if you're going through this at the same time... Yeah, it, it can be really difficult. And I think for the teens, yeah, they're they're going through a hard time. But a lot of them are kind of battling stuff too, you know. Yes. They're hormonal in the opposite Well, there's the thing. You've got two bags of unregulated yeah, hormones clashing clashing yeah and that's a huge issue and that's why I think I just want to say you know make a phone call talk to somebody get the support you need because this is normal it's natural it's something unfortunately we all do have to go through but there is help and don't let it impact on your relationship with your kids you know take the responsibility to say to be honest with them and let them know it's not about them because they will feel it is yeah well this this has Come in now while we're chatting, Eileen, and this person doesn't want to talk, which is fine. But yesterday I was told I have osteoporosis in my spine and that HRT could have helped. Could have helped. Could have helped. I closed closed my business during perimenopause. I was so depressed. So hearing it from that lady, it's good to know there's help. Well, that's a big thing there now, actually, and I'm glad she said it because getting that bone check is so important because... As we're losing these hormones, and I'm no medic, let's say that, but talking to my own GP, and I know they're really trying to push it, and the bone issue is huge. Because we are losing these hormones that are helping with strength and helping with so many other parts. So if we're allowing that to leave our bodies and not replenish it, it's a problem in so many different ways. But the bone thing can be a huge issue. I was only having a conversation with my GP two days ago, and it came up. Yeah, so yeah. go get the checks. They are there uh, from as you know from the, as early as you can. Get the checks. Keep an eye on your own health. Get your bloods done. But if you know yourself that you are not 
behaving or feeling like you usually would be. Yeah, yeah. Check it out. It seems, you know, estrogen deficiency can have impacts on so many elements of your health, like your heart and your bones. Huge, and I just think, you know, as women and mums and working mums and non... Well, come here, everybody's a working mum, whether they're in the home or not, but it's a busy time. It's a really busy time, and we do tend to put ourselves at the end of that pile, but that doesn't really work, because if we're not in a good shape mentally and physically, how, in God's name, can we be the parent we want to be? Yeah. Another caller here says, Eileen is so spot on, communication is the key. Not only should mums be honest about hormones and mood swings, they should encourage teenagers to recognise their own mood swings and talk about it with their parents. Then everything will be a lot less stressful. Absolutely. And I think, do you know what now, normalising stuff for kids is huge. So for, for a kid, and listen, male and female will all go through some of this, it's not just the girls, but when you're chatting to them and you're saying, look, I'm at a stage where I'm the opposite to you, like you're getting your hormones in, so your body's reacting, mine are leaving, so mine is reacting. So look, we can support each other a little bit, but at least we both understand that we're going through kind of a transient period. <laughs> you, is, you could put it down to, you know, and if you were to put it into their language, we're both a bit messed up in our own ways yeah, at the moment. <laughs> absolutely. But just be honest about it, and then maybe they can feel they can be a bit more honest too, because it's a very confusing time for a lot of kids and teenagers as well yeah, when they're like all over the place with their hormones and their moods as we all know as parents here's another one coming in now which is relevant too and and you know doctors doctors are copping on but not all of them and not fast enough that lady's so lucky her GP is aware and knowledgeable my GP was a disaster and I can't get to see anyone else well that is a problem you know um, and I got I just and you know I feel so sorry for people who don't have someone who actually gets this and understands it because every woman needs it. Every woman who struggles, some people seem to get through. Oh, no, we've got it. Okay, that's right. Um, and if and the problem is, it's so hard to get on a GP list now that if someone isn't happy with their GP, they are in a bit of a quandary there, but all I'd say to her is keep trying. Yes, yes. How important is it, finally, for to talk to friends who are at the same stage in life? I hugely look. I, I'm a firm advocate for if mums were a little bit more honest about everything, we'd all be a lot more um, relaxed, maybe. Mm. You know, I think people trying to be the best of this and the best of that and the kids the best of this, the best of that. Oh, knock it off. You know, I'm sick of listening to it. I, I, I was talking to a pal of mine over a pint and I won't identify the guy, but he was talking to me about how himself and the wife just hadn't been getting on. Yeah, and he's and like, these are people who have a good relationship now, a couple of kids. Yeah, and I said, "How are things at home?" As you do, like, and he was saying, "Oh my God, Almighty, I know what I'm doing at the moment." And subsequently, he said, "You know what?" He said, "I was fooling around in the bedroom looking for something, and I went searching in a drawer, and I found a load of HRT stuff." Christ, if she'd only told me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's again, of course, it's equally. You know, because we men, let's face partner. it, I mean, we're thick. Most of us are thick stupid <laughs> when it comes to... We are I'm really not. not going to try and react to that. <laughs> Don't. I'm, I'm telling you straight out. Most of us are thick stupid about this. Well, to be fair... You know, how do you understand something that you don't that you don't feel, you know? True. And I do think we need to speak very openly to our partners because let's face it, as parents, it's a blooming hard struggle a lot of the time. Anyway, we're all doing our best. We're going to drive each other potty and that's before any hormones come into play. 
So like if you if you do have a conversation and say, look, when I jump into the rant or when I'm doing whatever, if you know it's about nothing, please let it in one or not the other. I don't mean it. Yeah. And yeah. be able to say sorry or be able to apologize because it's not nice. You know, it's not nice for any of us. Yeah. And I've done this myself, to be, obviously. But it's not pleasant. And I did learn very early on to say sorry to the kids if I knew I'd upset them by something that was... i put my hands up and go, sorry, lads, not about you. Yeah, I know, I know. And, yeah, and you've done no harm. Eileen, thank you very much, Eileen Keane. Jumpstartyourconfidence.com. You'll find it actually on her Facebook page. She's got a great graphic. And just, there is help out there. Find out what works for you. Niamh, will you hang on for me for a couple of minutes? You will? Yeah. Thanks okay. a lot. Cheers. Access all areas on Cork's 96 FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael with the latest in Cork's entertainment. The hit podcast from Vogue Williams and Joanne McNally is coming to Cork next summer when you can catch My Therapist Ghost of Me live at the Marquee on Saturday, 27th of May. Tickets are on sale from this Thursday at 9 a.m. Access all areas. Cork Orchestral Society makes a welcome return and they're pleased to announce 12 spectacular shows taking place in venues across the city, including a stunning pairing between Gavin Ring and Gary Beecher on December 7th, taking place at the Curtis Auditorium. Access all areas. If you have a gig, show or exhibition coming up in Cork in the coming weeks, drop us a line here at Access All Areas. You can reach us on AAA at 96fm.ie. Access all areas. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. On Cork. 96 FM. Neve, thanks for waiting. You're on HRT, but it was the GP was the problem. Well, what happened was is that I, 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 I basically, like that lady said, I was snappy. I um, basically, I thought I, I don't know what was wrong with me, and I was thinking I need to do something here. And I have great friends who said, look, this is a possibility. Um, I think after that, the Fina McCall program came out. Um, yes. I, I kind of thought. I need to go and see and and see somebody about going on um, HRT because I was with my 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 child um, and my husband as well. Like looking back, I think God, I really um, was. I don't know where I was in the sense of my moods and everything. So I went down um, to my GP surgery and and the, the doctor I had was great. And then unfortunately, she went on um, leave and. Everything was fine. Well, we had the, the shortage um, that we had here where you couldn't get the medication. Um, yes. And that, you know, I, I was actually in Spain on holidays. I managed to get it all. So without prescription. The old sunshine uh, pharmaceuticals. <laughs> there you go. But, you know, the thing is, is that that's quite a little bit of respect in another sense of, and it's, it's a case of we need it. It's not, it's not something that, oh, yeah, it's, we, um, you can take it or you, you needn't take it. In a, in a lot of cases, you need to take it. it it's just it, it's what we need. Anyway, so basically my doctor went away um, and then I felt my symptoms um, kind of changing I back to kind of um, the moods and whatever. Um, it's sometimes because you need to up the dosage. Yes. And so I went back down to the surgery and I got another doctor. And she basically said to me, um, no, I don't think it's that. Maybe you're just depressed. That is an old-fashioned way of looking at it and pushing it off on depression. I was actually so upset. So then she took my bloods. But I know myself going from, we, there's a support group on Facebook, which is great. And that it's not going to show up in your bloods because you're taking the estrogen. So it's not going to show a depletion. Mm. You might need a little bit extra. Mm-hmm. So... 
I came out of that meeting really upset. I just, I couldn't believe we were back to that. I was back to that point of a doctor saying, maybe you're depressed. I've heard, and since we began to talk about this, so many women have contacted us, even privately, and said, look, they're putting me on antidepressants. I'm not depressed. Yeah. I was very lucky in the sense of I have a a really good friend who um, has been on um, HRT for a long time. I rang her and she helped me and the support group helped. And and basically what we're having to do is to monitor ourselves because all of the clinics, the clinic that the the specialised clinics are all full. The really good doctors who understand it are all booked up or you can change surgery. So then it's a case of like... There's still that old adage that I oh, are just a little bit mental, you know. Yeah, or the other thing too, um, which I think some older women are guilty of, Neve, is Asher. We all have to go through it. You'll be fine. Yeah, but the thing is, is that that's what um, they had to go through, and it was probably really horrible. But they were either put, they were either told, they were either told to shut up or they were put away. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes, but isn't isn't there another answer for that? Well, you know what? If you discovered tomorrow that you were going through headaches and you could have just taken paracetamol, wouldn't that be okay? Yeah, it's it's. You know, I just think that it's we need it, and there's the doctors there, and even a doctor told me themselves that they're not educated enough in this. It's a tiny module. Yes, it's a tiny module. A lot of doctors, particular and and particularly again, men. You know, I, I, I'd say this straight out, Dave, and I, I, I'm often looking back now and think, what takes stupid about this? 50% <laughs> well, of the population changes like this at a certain time in their life. And we're married to them. We're married to yeah. them. We're their si- well, they're our sisters, they're our, our wives, our mother. And we're thick about it. Like. I must say that my husband, he did watch that programme with me, Davina McCall, and he, he did say, I didn't realise. Yes. Now, I didn't, I didn't really realise myself, <laughs> you know. So the thing is, is that now that I'm on the HRT, I'm more aware of it. I'm aware of, I'm more aware of my symptoms and, and what has been suggested that you monitor your own symptoms. And sometimes it's a case of you have to self kind of regulate your medication which isn't right either you know when I went to that doctor that time I got absolutely no help I came out really upset and then that's the offshoot of it then because you've got families as that lady was saying that you're having to apologize because you you, you don't know how to, to to fix the way that you're feeling yeah. you know yeah so I just think that it's it's it is coming to the forefront more now but I do think that um there should be more done about it quickly. Yeah. It's, it's not. It's not. A, it's not for next year's whatever um, the government has to do. This is now. I mean, you can get Viagra over the counter. You can. Yes. Yeah. And so this, but um, like you can kind of like this might be wrong of me to say, but you can kind of live without Viagra possibly. Okay. Yeah. But I do think that with the HRT, it's a depletion in something that's in your body and you need it to be able to function and therefore it should be there available without then having to go and pay masses of money to go yes. and get it. Yes, 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 yes. The, no? it, it's true, if men went through this, uh, we wouldn't that's, be having these discussions. But you know, the thing is, is that I think that we can say that, but like I think that if more people talk about it, and more people are more educated in it, men and women, then I think that it would just be something that would become the norm, you know? Yeah. And then and then the doctors that you go in, oh, you're a bit depressed. It's like, I know that I'm not... At that time, I knew I wasn't, and I was upset, and I said, I know I'm not. I could have gone 
walked out of that surgery with um, drugs for depression. Yes. And I'm on them, and then I get addicted to those drugs. There you go. And that, and that opens up a whole lot Exactly. More. And all it's a simple fix of you you take your estrogen um, or you take a progesterone. It depends on what situation you're in. And and then you monitor it and then go back to your doctor six months, 12 months later. But there's not that facility because majority of the doctor surgeries don't have the doctors who are able to actually um, help you. And that's what it is. It's help. It's not, it's not people going in, oh, I'd love this bit of drugs or whatever. It's, it's, it's a product that is needed. Yes, yes. Neve, great call. Thank you very much. Um, and I hope it all... It comes to its natural end and you move on. Thank you very much. 0818 96 96 96. Your experience. Um, join the conversation. What's your own experience? I'd particularly love to hear from women who have come across this in their mid to late 30s because there's so many of them out there and they don't talk about it. They do not talk about it. Um, I'm going to see if I can chat with uh, Gronya Shoig at some stage soon because that documentary she made recently was outstanding on it. Here's a a comment that came in uh, on the phone. This person was upset and in tears, which is very sad. Um, I had a hysterectomy because there was a cancer risk and it means you're not eligible for HRT not only that, but they put me on treatments that accelerate the menopause effect. I ended up not taking the tablets, and then they told me I was medically negligent. I just want to say there are people out there who have to make very difficult choices, and the support isn't there for situations like this. Yeah. Yeah. And as regards Eileen, uh, communication is the key. And communicate with your teenagers. Your children, communicate with your husband, your partner. Because like I keep saying, and I'll say it over and over again, we're take stupid, most of us men. 50% of the population go through this, many of it before our very eyes. Wish we had a clue. We have a notion. Uh, 0818 96 96 96. That was very sad that that particular one, and she was in tears on the phone, but thankfully she's all right. Come here, every year in Cork, thousands of you get together to help fight homelessness with Cork Simon. And we're asking you to do it again this year. How do you do it? Christmas jumper. Cork Simon Christmas jumper day. You can do it anytime, anyplace, anywhere. At home, at work or school. Online. Do you remember in the bad days of the COVID, we had to do it in Zoom and we had 20 (laughs) Christmas jumpers up on Zoom. Nobody wants their child to grow up homeless on Christmas day and hosting a Cork Simon Christmas jumper day will make sure that help is at hand when it's needed. It's more than just a gift. You can get a pack at CorkSimon.ie and join us to help fight homelessness in Cork this Christmas. Me and my people be rolling. Join Casey and Ross in the morning on Cork's 96FM from 6am. All this week, we've teamed up with Magical Blarney, Cork's favourite Santa experience in Blarney Woolen Mills, to give you a money-can't-buy experience. We've got a family pass to see Santa on his arrival night, Saturday the 26th of November, in Blarney Woolen Mills. Plus, one family will lead the countdown and turn on their Christmas lights and be the very first to meet Santa that night. Stay listening weekday mornings from 6 for your chance to win with Magical Blarney on Cork's 96FM. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? 
Perfect. And she makes the draw this evening on the big drive home. And your name might come out of the hat. We had a winner on the show yesterday. Who knows? We might have you today. Very good. Thanks very much, PJ. All right, Tanya, take care. Yep. That's Tanya. Always. Cheers. Bye. Tanya Cochran in Dillon's Cross. 0818 96 96 96. See, it's so much fun. And John had a win yesterday. I mean, you never know. We might have another one today. Now, we talked about menopause in the last hour. And there are still people calling us about it. And... um it's the one we're happy to come back to, and I think I will reach out and see if I can't get um, Ronnie Shoy get to chat about it on the show over the the next while. But another issue um, pertaining to women or impacting on women is people prying into your personal business, particularly whether or not you're having children, whether or not you want to have children, whether or not you can have children. You might have seen this story. Uh, going around recently about uh, Jennifer Aniston and uh, she was speaking about while she was really busy with her acting career like during her time in, in Friends and now she's on that Apple TV show The Morning Show and during her during the height of her acting career uh, she was constantly trying to get pregnant through IVF but she couldn't and she was giving an interview to this magazine called Allure and she said she wished at the time someone had told her to freeze her eggs she had IVF she did everything from drinking Chinese tea you name it but at the same time she said she had no regrets about not having any children but she said that so many people were asking her awkward questions about having children and maybe accusing her of being selfish for not having children. And she got hard time in the media for accusing her of putting her career first. When at the time, we now know the woman who's poor woman who's now 53, she wanted children, but she couldn't have them. And no one ever told her to freeze her eggs. And it's a big talking point uh, recently. And brought to mind... Um, former colleague and old friend now producing TV in London, Brenda Dennehy. Brenda, who you said many years ago, I have no intention of having children. I don't want to have children. Stop asking me awkward questions about it. So you can kind of identify with what Jennifer was going through, can't you? Morning. Hi, Paige. Um, yeah, like, obviously, Jennifer, I think she she's married to Brad Pitt and she was married to Justin Trudeau. Or not, oh God, not Justin Trudeau. Justin Theroux, he's yeah. a Canadian. Prime Minister, he's another Justin. I know. And I know who you meant. I, I think it was. I think it was kind of taken for granted. Oh, she doesn't want kids. But see, the thing is, Paige, you never know what's going on in someone's life. Like as there, she was trying all sorts, trying and have kids. Now again, she said she had no regrets. But I suppose for me, I, I don't know what it is, Paige. Like I just don't want kids. And I got so annoyed with people kind of telling me, oh, you'll regret that, you know, being invasive in my personal life. You're selfish. You'll regret that. What are you going to do like in your 60 or 70? Like, because I think people think they bring kids into the world so that they're going to look after you when you're older. Mm. And like, I was like, that's like, no, no, absolutely. Like, if you're going to be having kids for that reason, isn't that all wrong? So I got so fed up with the whole thing. I was like, I'm just going to write something. So I wrote something as for the Echo and it was last year and it blew up. And um, 
like I just wanted to get it off my chest, my reasons for not wanting kids. And it's just like I have never felt maternal. And I said this last week to a friend of mine, like I said, you know, when you're small, you remember playing with dolls and you pretend the doll that you're like the doll's mother and all this and you wanted dolls from Santa and all this. Like I never wanted that. And I think then when I was growing up and then when I was like 18, 19, you know, all my friends were like settling down with fellas and, you know, I'm going to have three or four kids and all that. Like, and I never saw it that way. And then when I got into my early 20s, again, I felt that way. And then when I got into my early 30s, I was kind of thinking, I still feel the same. I don't want them. And then I kind of, for a time, I probably was like asking, is there something wrong with me that I don't want them? But then I just said, I just don't feel maternal. And mm. why would I want to bring a child into the world to kind of satisfy other people? No pressure from my parents whatsoever or any of my family at all at all, you know. Um, but I just had to write it to get people off my back. And yeah. even now, if I say it to people, it's so easy now because if I say to some people, oh, I just don't want, you know, someone said to me the other day, oh, do you need to go home early from work because have you um, kids at home? And I kind of laughed. I was like, no, girl, I definitely don't have kids at home. And then she, I was like, I don't want kids. And she was like, oh, really? I said, yeah. And I just sent her the article. It goes, here's my reason why. So that's what I do now. I'm like, here's my reasons why I don't want it because I can't bear to be like, kind of I find it very intrusive like oh you will be you'll regret it you're yeah. like and I've been told I was selfish and I no no I, I don't like and I don't like the world or don't like the word childless I prefer to say child free yeah yeah so, I mean like there's a yeah. the thing you can identify with what no Jennifer like you said totally different situation she wanted them she was trying desperately to ha have children but it just wasn't working for her that was nobody else's business but herself and, and Brad Pitt at the time but yet the media, everybody was saying, oh, yeah. why hasn't she oh. children? She's putting her career before children. Yes. That kind of yeah. intrusion is like, not fair. No, and like she had said as well, the media scrutiny she got was off the wall altogether. It really was. And can you imagine how she felt, you know, trying to get pregnant and, you know, everyone kind of being on the front page, you know, about her personal life. And it's just, it's all really not, it's just not on. And then, it, like, I think... For there's a lot of other women my age now and probably younger than me coming up, and I think that like I want to be the person that like if someone is in at home now in Cork or around Ireland just listening, kind of go, oh my god, I was thinking the same that I didn't want kids, but I felt like you know a bit bad about it or a bit guilty not to feel that way because it's just it shouldn't be put a pressure on you know just to have them for others, and I think as well with Ireland the family unit is so important and then it's a bit kind of taboo that someone comes out and kind of says well I just don't want kids you know because they might want to focus on their career and I am massively into my career and my career is kind of like my focus now whereas other people my friends and everything it's their children my career is my thing at the moment good for, and good for you and as long as I know you you've, you've never had any interest in having kids and remember when we talk about no. it you and I when we work together I just oh good for you kind of thing that's well whatever you know yeah but here's a question, Brenda. The 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 people who say things. Jennifer mm -hmm. isn't here to answer to ask this question, so I'll ask you. The people who said things to you was it mostly men or mostly women? I'll be very honest with you. Mostly people who have kids already. On both, but men and women. Mostly women. Yeah. And that's not saying anything about the female sex or anything like that, but mostly women with children already like people who are single they wouldn't probably say much you know 
But I think mostly women who had kids are like, oh, you'll regret that. Oh, my God, you'll regret that now. And a lot of it, like, what are you going to do when you're 60 or 70? Like... I hope to God I'm over in the Canaries or something like seeing karaoke having time of my life not I'd worrying about anyone I'd spending see you for a pint <laughs> I know do you know what I mean just to kind of and I think I live in the day you see this is the thing as well I live in the now we don't know what's ahead of us PJ you know like we just don't know what's ahead of us and like I try not to worry like we all have worries like obviously I do have some worries but I live in the day I live in what's going on today you know I just worry about what I have today and you know it's like 85% of the stuff we worry about never happens correct so like I live in the now like and then I don't think about 60 years on I don't know what's going to happen in six months time where I'll be so I live in the now and I'm so content in myself right now like I love being on my own I, I'm freakishly love being on my own. I'm so content on my own I'm happy as just sitting on my own in my flat here and just watching television I'd rather that rather than being the you know group of people and yeah. I I don't know what it is. I'm just so happy in myself, so content. And that, and that then, doesn't oh, make you antisocial. It's just that's how no. you live. And questions, and, oh, again, yeah. the parallel with Jennifer, don't be asking questions about don't, people's you, lives yeah. that are none of your blasted business. And you know what drives me insane as well? It's kind of, you know, when someone just gets married and, well, any news... Oh, and he stop. knows oh lord people need to stop that and then like some people they might wait a couple of years you know they get married they might wait a couple of years enjoy their married life for a couple of years but then the invasion I can see you now there's a couple famous Mark Wright and Michelle Keegan she was in Carnation yes, State they married around course, 67 yeah. years and all good all the interrogation like oh what's wrong with them why aren't they having kids they're selfish they're off in Dubai now on holidays again they should be having children and like people what? just make you I just I don't know, PJ, it's kind I mean, of... If, if the, they're having it, children, they're having children for themselves. They're not having children for you. For others. And obviously, we don't know what's going on in their life, but maybe they just want to enjoy married life. I think it's kind of like, someone's married and straight about, well, any news, any oh, news. And it's away. so invasive. Like, they're barely down the altar as well. And people like, any news, any news. And you just don't know what's going on. And I've seen people like, you know, they've struggled to get pregnant and they're very upset. And as well, PJ... I know in myself, like, a few of my good friends there over the last couple of years have had kids. And PJ, it's nothing better for me when I hear someone's pregnant, you know, and I'm delighted for them. Yeah. But I never wish I was them deep down. I never kind of, you know, be like, oh, I wish that was me. You know, not at all. I never once. And that's how I know for sure yes. that I'm certain about my decision, that I'm happy for other people, but, delighted but, but for them. But here's the thing, Bren, and here's how life should be. So you're at stage in your life now, happy out, living on your own, Enjoying your own company and you don't want children. If you wake up tomorrow morning or the morning after and decide you want a child, that's your business and nobody else's. Yeah, that's it. And like the thing, someone asked me as well last week, oh, what happens when you meet a guy and we'll say he wants kids. Now that happened last week. No, it was just a, a match on Bumble. That was it. Listen, I wasn't getting married to spell or anything like that. But on your bio, on some of the dating apps, you can put if you want kids or not want kids. And obviously on mine, straight out, it's like, do not want children. And he matched, he goes, we were chatting, we were having a crack, bit of crack. And then um, he said, oh, listen, he said, I'm just after seeing you don't want kids. And I want kids. And I was like, all right, okay. So there. Yeah, but did you do that on the first date, like, do you know what I mean? <laughs> well, <laughs> but I was kind of like, ah, Jesus. But I was like, well, I... 
actually have it up there. I wasn't going to be like, oh, well, do you know what? I'm not so sure because someone says to me a lot of the time, they say, what if you meet the man of your dreams and he wants kids? It won't change my mind. He obviously isn't the man for me. It wouldn't. There's no way I would change my mind. I just know. And I know people, they're like, ah, no, come on now. You might, like, I'm very, like, I know my head better than anyone. And this is how it is for me. And it's not that there's something wrong with us. You know, we just, there's some people and they're just nice and content on their own. Not that people have children to, Feel something or anything, but you know, but but Brenda, I, I know you. Ten, I know you ten years or more, and always yeah. you've always said the same. You know, no, no, no interest in children. Hold on, there. Hold on, hold on. And stay there, Brenda. And hi, yeah. How are you? You were great. My love, were Brenda. Yeah. I do indeed, a hundred percent. Because it happened hi, to me. Hi, yeah. Um, yeah, go on, lovely. This I'm going back now. My son is forty-eight now, right? And I had him, but I lost three after him. Oh, sorry to hear that. So they'd come along, you know, and they'd say, oh, my God, you only have one. Are you going to have any more? Stop. So people really and genuinely don't think. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. They just don't think. They don't think. No, they don't. No, no. They, yeah. I mean, there's a reason. If you want more, you'll have them. Alexander, if you don't, that's fine too. What happened? And is there someone behind you that can turn off that radio? Cause it's going I to can turn it off. That'd be great if you could, yeah. yeah. That's, that's another, another side to it, like Brenda, as we're all saying. You don't know what's going on in, mm-hmm. behind yeah. anybody's doors. You don't, know. What's, what happened, then? Uh, well, with my first little boy, I was six and a half months pregnant right. when I lost him. Oh. Then I lost a little girl, Jacqueline, around six months. Right. And then I had a miscarriage at three and a half, four months. Oh, dear God. That's so sad. No, I was lucky to have my first little boy. <laughs> yes. Which is a treasure. Yes. The little boy is 48 now. He's 48, little he'd boy. Pro- <laughs> probably laugh. He'd probably laugh at me called little boy. <laughs> <laughs> It doesn't matter what age they are. They're still your little boy or girl. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm a bit older than you. It's the same thing my mother would say to me. <laughs> the other one is, you're not too old to get a smack. <laughs> you're not indeed, no, no. But you see, people don't think yeah. and they don't know the circumstances. And uh, then if you turn around and say, well, I did. Yes. You know, but it's none of their business. No, and that's yeah. the thing. It is nobody's business. No, no. And I do agree with Brenda. It's up to herself. She's an individual and she can do what she pleases. Yeah. And to read that interview with Jennifer Aniston that people were saying, oh, your career is more important to you than having children. That, that was no That's another part of it. Yeah. You know? And so what if it is? So exactly. what if it is? <laughs> that is her business. Yeah. It's Brenda's business. And nobody else should interfere with that. Yeah. All right. You know? And thanks. I'll leave it to you. And Brenda, I'll leave it leave it off. Enjoying watching your work on Talk TV behind the scenes. Oh, yeah. Happy old Peach. Yeah, good, yeah. Good. Making my way through all sorts here. Living so the dream, good. kid. Living the Living dream. Living the dream. Living yeah. the dream. Talk to you again soon. Brenda Dennehy, formerly of this parish, but now producing on TV in, in London on Talk TV. Doesn't want any children. I'm quite happy about it, quite determined about that. But Jennifer Aniston's case, she wanted children, she couldn't have them, and she was trying so hard, and people asking her awkward And there's, there's Anne's tragic story that she had. You know, she, she has son of 48, but she, she lost three children. I, 
Why would you bother asking people these kind of stupid questions? It reminds me of a little story that I sometimes tell. Do you know the way you'd be at a wedding, right? And you're the sort of last unmarried one in the room from the family. And you get a bit sick of it, like. And all the old aunties are coming up, coming, you'll be next now. You'll be next now. I tell you now, you'll be next. And the big, no, the, ah, you'll be next now. You'll be next now. Do you know what you get, you know you get back on that? Right? You get back on them. Next funeral you're at? <laughs> right? Next funeral you're at? Just at the back of the funeral home? You're leaning and putting up. You'll be next now. You'll be next now. Copacabana Beach is located in which city? Rio. And what singer had a 90s hit with Cornflake Girl? Kellogg's. <laughs> JC and Ross in the morning. Get into gear for 2023 with No DC Cars Blackpool. Skoda's sales dealer of the year. Open 24 7 at NoDC.com. Corks 96 FM. Bernie says, Great to hear Brenda on the radio again. I agree with her completely. Couples or people with children always think if they talk to you about their children, you'll find it interesting or even joyful or amusing or that you'll want to have children yourself. But like Brenda, I just don't have any instinct for it. I'm delighted she's speaking up for those among us. Yeah, Bernie. Um, and she, as long as I know Brenda, she has absolutely no desire in the wide earthly world to have children. And good on her for that, if that's the way she feels. Uh, just some... Um, word in here on Besbra and I'm just reminded that today is my good friend Martin Parfrey's birthday so happy birthday Martin Dublin based developer MWB2 who were refused planning to build on the former mother and baby home site at Besbra have now lodged a new application for a 92 unit residential development in the same area go away don't know. Sorry now, that totally biased here. Not so much as a shovel to be waved in anger on that site. Ever, as far as I'm concerned. 0818 96 96 96. Does that make me biased? Yeah, it does, and I don't care. The last Drasheen maker in Ireland, I have to confess, Donna O'Reilly, that I'd be pretty, I'd be more of a pudding man than a Drasheen man and if I was having it I'd be frying it but I didn't realise you're the last one left morning morning PJ how long are you making Drasheen who taught you to make it Um, well my my dad and my uncle have been making it for years and they were kind of like uh, second generation Um, and then there was kind of um, uh, these ladies in the yard in in the old factory used to make it and I kind of picked it up off them, and when I took over the business, then um, I moved to my own units, and they um, I brought them up along to to make it for me, and I just kind of picked it up off them and practice, and practice makes perfect. Yeah. What exactly is it? I mean, I know what a, say a black pudding is. It's made out of blood and filling and all that. But what is what is? It's different. What is Drasheen exactly? Uh, it's just um, basically, it's just it's blood, um, but it's not uh, it's not the to- all the blood. It's just it's the serum of the blood, the liquid part. When you get, yeah, yeah, kind of like it separates the the, the clots, clots and the 
and the juice we call it um, separate. So I just take the juice off and um, I just have to filter that and um, add a bit of salt. That's right. it. Basically, put it into a casing and boil it. It's a uh, it's um, it's a simple enough and, and process. The separating of it. I mean, how do you do that? Is that in a, a kind of a filter or what is it? Um, no, Teddy comes in barrels from the abattoirs, and um, you just kind of whatever cut it, and um, the following day, then the the clots go to the bottom, and the the juice is on top. Oh, it separates just, itself, um, does it? Yeah, yeah. And then you just um, scoop the scoop the top off it, the juice off and filter it not not yeah. Yes. And and so inside in that skin, that circular kind of a skin, which I know is called a round, like what is it? The, the, there's the blood that's been boiled and what else goes into it? Just just a bit of salt. We mix the salt in with the blood before we um before we fill it into the casing. Mm. And that's it, basically, yeah. We used to they used to put tansy in it before. Um, which is kind of like wild herb, but um, I, I don't know. I died. I never acquired a taste for it, and I, a lot of people don't. So yes, I mean, kind of. I never. I never did that really. So and yeah. would you put it into a fry, or what would you do? Like again, how do you cook it? Do you fry it or do you boil it? Yeah, some people fry it. Um, put it onto a pan. It's it's bland enough flavor, so um, people would maybe fry a rasher and put it onto the pan after the rasher, and kind of just get a put a bit of flavor on that way. Um, other people will just boil it in water and cut it, put a bit of some uh, butter and salt and pepper on it. Yes. Um, yeah. Other people dial, boil it with milk and with a bit of um, salt and pepper again. You can put mushrooms and tomatoes, onions into it, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Tell me a, a bit about the history of a donut because it is kind of pure cork. It's kind of uniquely cork. And if you stop making it tomorrow, there's nobody else making it. Tell me about the history of it as you know it. Um, well, I when I, um, it's 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 it, it's I don't know I don't know there's no history really. Every family used to do what I suppose. Well, every butcher and cock used to do their own machine years ago when 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 things were hard. I suppose you were just going to use every part of the animal you could get, you know. And yeah. um, the blood was kind of just was 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 going was going for nothing. So I suppose people just started using that as well, and and. I'm, you know, other than that, it's just <laughs> what's the skin made out of? The skin is actually the the beef um, intestine. That's what it is. It's like the gut, right. and uh, that's cleaned and turned inside out. Okay, it's done it's all in the factories now. It's the same as for for black and white puddings and that kind I of. I was just going to say, you wouldn't be preparing the skin yourself, would you? Or would you? No, no, no. Not anymore, no. Back in the day, the people used to do that. Like, But um, now it's all done by um, by a factory and sort of more. So it's a fully, if you want, it's a fully natural product. It's a, is it very nutritious? Like, is it true that a doctor would, would tell you if the child wasn't thriving or if you wasn't feeling the best yourself to build you up a bit of drachine? Yeah, yeah, I've often heard stories about that. No, I've never been told myself, or none of my wife or my, any of my siblings have been ever told that. But um, I suppose back back in the years, doctors had good faith in it. You know, I've never done a, a nutritional evaluation on it myself. Like, but you know, just when you when you think about the blood, it's keeping us all alive. You know, so there must be some, there must be good in it. You know, there's yeah. all the nutrients and protein and. And have you ever thought of, of teaching anybody else to make it, to carry on the tradition? 
Um, well, none of my own family have any short any interest, to be honest. But um, I, I, yeah, I, I really haven't, to be honest, you know, because um, I've been just doing it myself and uh, carrying on with it. People, um, yeah. it's, 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 you'd want a lot of patience to be pe- teaching somebody to do it as well, you know, because you're busting it. And it yeah, it's, there, it's, there's it's, a thing, I saw that, that it, when you're, there's a point when you're cooking it or when you're preparing it. That is it that if you overboil it, it can burst? Yeah, if you leave it in the boiler too long, like it can burst, yeah. And sometimes the skin can have little pinholes in it as well that, that will um that would that would burst that would um, burst even before you put it into the boiler. I see. So there's a and fair amount there's, a, there's timing and skill involved in that, like. Yeah. And if you're um as you know, the blood isn't kind of easy to come by now because there's not as many um, small abattoirs and they can't yeah. get out of factories because it's, they're just walking too fast there. So the big the big meat factories like wouldn't be inclined to barrel it up for you, would they? No? No, they wouldn't, no. They kind of they'd they'd be kind of um slaughtering in a different way, like that it wouldn't be wouldn't be feasible for them to um to harvest it. Okay, so, um, so if I just but then when you're when you're kind of making it, then if if you have if you're teaching somebody how to do it, um, they could lose a lot of blood, which which is kind of like uh, it's like gold when you're trying to make it and trying to get stuff out of it. Like yes, you, kind of, you don't want to, you don't want to lose anything then by doing it. You know that? Yes, yes. It's, 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 Fergal was suggesting here, which is discussing this is the kind of a thing that a street vendor might might serve as a. At a market, just as a sort of a, a what's the word, a novelty. Yeah, yeah, maybe it is. I don't know. I've never looked really looked into it to be honest. Like it was, um, mm. maybe it would be if you had the right sauces and that kind of thing with it, the right chef to kind of prepare it and that kind of thing. But yeah. how how long yeah. are you going to keep going with it? Well, as long as there's a market, I suppose. As long as I can um, keep the business running, I suppose. Like with all the overheads and costs and that kind of stuff. Like you know, as long as they're making enough to keep going, I'll, I'll keep going. Yeah, but it is still very it's, cheap. It's, it's one of the cheapest things you can buy, isn't it? It is, yeah. But it's not as cheap as what it was either, I suppose. You know, but um, it's it's it is um, it is quite cheap. Yeah, if you wanted a meal for you could get a meal for two or three quid for one person. You know. Yes. Yeah. It's, on its, own. it's popular in Limerick as well, I think, but it goes under a different name. Yeah, it's the same product, but it's just they call it packet up there. Packet, like a package, uh, like as in P A C K E T. It's just yeah. um, it's just packet and tripe is what they call it up there. Right, but it's the same thing, yeah, because um, I, I sell it up there as well. And, right, um, so pretty much everything, pretty much any drachine I think you find around the country now, or in Limerick, or I think Waterford, they sell it to, is yours. Yeah, yeah, I, I deliver it myself, like around the country. Yeah. yeah. It's just the main cities, really, but not not Dublin. They don't sell. They don't eat it in Dublin, like. But it's just the um, Cork, Limerick, Waterford, Kerry. Do you ever get overseas <laughs> inquiries? Of people looking to take it overseas or export it for you? Um, well, yeah, I've had people ringing me like from from England and and even even the states, saying they're asking me could I send a bit over, like. But it it doesn't travel well, you know. You I'm sure to, it doesn't. You can't freeze it, like I expect, can you? No, you can't freeze it. That's the thing. Like if you freeze it, we kind of we come out of the freezer like sawdust. <laughs> wouldn't uh, yeah. work that way. So and it's kind of it's it can be it can be squashed very easy as well. You know, so it cost will cost more to get there than what it's worth. <laughs> <laughs> well, long may you continue uh, the art form 
of, of yeah. preparing, preparing. What's the best way to serve it? What would you serve it with? Well, most people eat it with tripe. Mm-hmm. And that's the way it goes. They stay and they, they make the tripe first of all, with the white sauce, not cutting it in, just put it in for the last few minutes because it is cooked already, more or less. It's only a matter of heating it up. Yes. But, um, yeah, well, what I would do with it, actually, I just kind of boil some milk and um, some salt and pepper and put some mushrooms and some onions into it and mm. boil that up and then put put um, and put some, put the tagine in last for the last few minutes. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, that's the way I eat it myself. Yeah, that's my grandmother taught me, oh. my dad. It's amazing the old historic ways of doing things and cooking things and preparing things and serving things. Continued success, Donna, Donna O'Reilly. Uh, the last man making Drasheen in Ireland. Uh, Kate Ryan from Flavor.ie is writing a series for The Echo um, on, on various delicacies. And, and the last Drasheen maker, Kate, like, it is uniquely Cork, isn't it? Morning. Morning, PJ. How are you? Uh, yeah, it is uniquely Cork, um, and one of the reasons for that really is around the historical provisioning history of Cork City itself. So, uh, once upon a time, uh, Cork would have been better known as uh, the Oxlane capital of Ireland, um, and we had this huge industry in the city around um, uh, slaughtering beef, really, raising beef for slaughtering for the provisioning industry, which was basically salting and barreling beef that went on to various ships uh, that then left the port of Cork to all around the world. So to the West Indies, if you like, as it was called then, the Americas, um, France, Denmark, the UK, all those kinds of places around there, so the Netherlands and so on. So um, all the prime cuts of beef used to leave Ireland. And what was left was the offal, and of course, like the blood is is a particular off, uh, a type of offal. And this was kind of really where the cork then developed this um, tradition of eating cork offal from cork raised uh, beef. Um, and blood is part of that. So then there was a the whole thing of you know, well, what are we going to do with this? Is this a nutritious food? Is it a cheap food? Is it an abundant food? That was where we kind of get this uh, sort of dual industry out of the out of the beef blood of making black pudding on one hand and then making drachine on the other. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of like why it's it's very very much cork. It would have been made in other places as well, yeah. um, not anymore. Uh, Donna is the only person left in Ireland yeah. making it. Um, you see black so, pudding in many parts of the world. You'll be served black pudding in an English yeah. breakfast, as it were. But but. Not so much with Drasheen. No, no. And I think I don't know, kind of says, you know, it doesn't travel as well as, say, traditional black pudding would. Um, but what makes it really, really unique and really to cork, I suppose, is several things. One is this kind of proliferation of the beef processing, historical beef processing and provisioning industry. But then it's the fact that he doesn't use the whole blood. He uses just this part of the blood called the serum mm. or the liquid or the juice, as he kind of calls it. Um, whereas like black pudding uses the whole blood and yes. then mixes grains, spices, onions and things like that and puts it into the natural casing. So it's it's very, very cork, uh, traditionally cork. And as he is the last person left in the whole of Ireland making it, um, you know, once he decides that he doesn't want to make it anymore or he wants to retire, you know, we're going to use a, lose a huge part of cork's food culture and history because of that, because of 
it's not just the product, but it's everything else that kind of falls out of that. You know, the old history, the people that were employed in making it, uh, the the kind of the trade links to out of court to all around the world. Um, so, you know, we will lose all of that in a way. So it's it's a food that's in danger of disappearing. Yeah, yeah. And a simple food to cook and a simple, well, obviously a complicated food to prepare because of the fact that he's the last man in Ireland, but nutritious and cheap as well, relatively cheap. It is. It is very nutritious. It's a blood-based product. So blood pudding, you know, any kind of blood pudding is really, really nutritious. It's cheap to buy for the consumer and it is uh, very versatile. So the the article that I wrote around this, there is going to be uh, two other articles falling out uh, in the echoes of the next couple of weeks. And one of them, which I'm really looking forward to seeing coming out and seeing people's reaction, is I went out to a few local uh, court-based chefs and asked them, you know, look, how would you cook it for a new generation? So we have like all the old ways of cooking it. I've done a kind of mention there with uh, tripe and onions. Uh, fried in butter, fried with smoky rashers and so forth. Mm. But, you know, a lot of people can't take the taste and texture. A lot of people love it and they won't have it any other way. But a lot of people can't take the taste and texture because we've lost those um, uh, references, I suppose, those taste and flavour references. So, you know, the challenge is how do we make it, you know, exciting um, to a new generation of people? So, it's going to be a really exciting week, I think, to kind of see. I won't put out any spoilers yet, but uh, yeah, there's going to be a couple of really interesting and new ways, completely new ways uh, of, of cooking the dressing, which would be yeah. really exciting. Because I think I'd be, I've only had it a couple of times, and I, 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 I prefer it fried. And I know you're probably not supposed to fry it, but I do prefer it fried for the, the sear on it. You know, it just sears it a bit. Yeah. I, I yeah. like that. Um, I'd be more in terms of puddings now, Kate. I'd be more a white pudding man. Ah, uh, uh, yeah. I, I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd, eat, I'd eat mounds of white pudding. Not, not a big fan of the black stuff, unless it's really good and 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 cooked just right. But, but yeah, I prefer but, I prefer to fry the dushin. And I think that kind of speaks as well to like the the kind of variety. Uh, two things really, like the variety of different offals that we produce here in Ireland and how we like to eat them. But then also the different range of of blood puddings that we have. You know, there's this, this categorization, I suppose, between dushin and black pudding itself. But then when we think about all the different producers that we have of black puddings and how different they are in themselves, texture, type of grain, flavour, whether they're using fresh blood or dry blood, this kind of thing, you know. Mm. Um, so, the, you know, it's, it's, I find it a really interesting, yeah. oddly, do, area. Do you think you did make, I mentioned it to, to Donna there, this was, and just, Fergal's a big fan of, of various different types of street food and, and mm. loves to see new types of street food. Do you think it'd make a novelty street food at something like a mm. farmer's market? I think it would, you know, and I think it, it just basically depends on how you cook it and present it, you know, and I think if you're thinking in terms of street food, it has to be something that's handheld, something that's kind of enticing on, on aroma and taste then as well. So I think maybe just like the old ways of kind of uh, cooking dressing yeah. as we know it probably won't fly as well as the yeah, street food I've done. I would, I would have thought of taking thin slices, thin slices like, uh, and, and frying it off like you would salami, but frying it off, or chorizo, frying it mm. off with mushrooms and onions. Yeah, well, I really like uh, Donna's um, recipe, his his grandmother's recipe that he kind of gave him, sort of like, a, you know, cooking with milk and tomatoes and mushrooms, which yeah. is, I've never heard that before. Um, so, 
uh, yeah, you know, there are definitely, like, there's so many different ways you can cook it because yeah. it's a versatile ingredient. But, yeah, anything that's kind of crispy and savoury with bacon yeah. or something like that would be great. Chilli flakes or little, little bits of pancetta. <laughs> and yeah, but you could do a lot with it, you see. You could do a lot with it in a pan. You can, you can, yeah. And it's, I think because it's so simple, it just really lends itself to kind of versatility. Yeah. Um, you know, even just sort of adding texture. It doesn't have a, a it, it's known for having a very delicate flavour. So you do have to add other things to it. There you so go. That's what I'm. Th- I'm that's what I'm yeah. saying about the mushrooms and the onions and maybe a, maybe like and you said a bit, a bit of tomato, chili flakes. I think you. Could, I think you'd have, a, you'd have a lovely bowl. Do you know what kind of bowl that you would a fork if you chop everything up really nice? Yeah, I think we're on to something. Today. I think so, Kate. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, Kate. Look forward to the rest of the series. Kate Ryan from Flavor.ie do a, a series for the. I just came up there. I mean, as I said, it is bland. It's, it's not the liveliest flavour in the world if you've ever had it. But there's an idea for street food. You take th- thin slices of, of trichine and you fry them off with mushrooms and onions and a couple of bits of tomato and chilli flakes. Stir the whole lot up and maybe put a little bit of rice through it and stick it in a bowl. And I think it's set up by the kilo. PJ Coogan on the Opinion Line. Silver winner. Silver winner, best news story at the Imro Radio Awards 2022. Cork's 96 FM. Now, about 10 years ago, U2 invested in a thing called Music Generation Cork. Hard to believe it was 10 years ago. Have a listen to this. When it comes to swinging sticks, I'm betting slitters. Who Colin wouldn't get a look in with these heavy hitters? Cause in our history, there's been victory hour, man. Cabinologists, and that's just a mega mix that I'd love to play the whole lot of it, but don't have a whole pile of time. But as part of a celebration of 10 years of music generation, there's an event in the Everyman Monday night. And Swan, another cabin kid, will show his film on music generation. And he joins me. It's 10 years. I'd never have thought it, Sean. Morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. And you know what what they're doing up there, what Gary's been doing, yourself been doing, and Mishnock and all the other kids, it really has mushroomed in the last 10 years. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, these last 10 years, it's, it's not just, I guess, what goes on up here at the cabin, but, you know, Music Generation has programs all over Cork City. Um, but it really has taken off in the last 10 years. And as you just mentioned there, I, I was doing kind of a, a short film slash documentary to, I guess, to kind of summarise everything that's happened in the last 10 years through Music Generation. And it was just... You know, I'm usually up here in the cabin world and stepping outside of that and seeing all the other programs that happen through Music Generation and all of the other, I guess just the, the groups of young people that that exist just wanting to make music all around the city. It's um, It was really heartwarming yeah. to see, you know. And the talent, Sean, that is there is mind-blowing. Yeah, like, it's incredible. I was from... I, I suppose through creating this, seeing groups doing trad up here with the rap, there's there was just like pop bands. There was 
such different varieties of skill from like kids of all different ages you know it's not just like 16 17 18 it was like uh, you know just kids as young as like five six seven up to you know the some of the kids up in the cabin who would be you know 17 18 yeah that age i remember asking gary one time what he thought the secret was and he said to me Pete, they bring the words they bring the thoughts. All we do is help them put it together. This is their language. That's important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, when we work up here at the cabin or, or any tutor who works through music generation, you know, we're just there to support the young people. And to, I guess, like, I, it's my belief that every young person can be creative. It's just maybe they don't necessarily know how to how to how to put it together you know so we're just here for if someone comes up and they go oh I want to write a song we're just here to kind of show them that this is how you start this mm. um, but it really it's the young people that, that lead this and it's their skill and it's their talent and it's the fact that you know they want to keep coming back every week mm. because you know without them the cabin would just be a metal box in the north side of, of Nakahini yeah. or any of the generation programs would just they would just exist. It's it's the, the young people that come in and give the talent. Yeah, but if you, if you look at some little lad like MC Tiny, you know, I mean, what a success story coming through the cabin. And there's others like him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I suppose the last 10 years have been, you know, it's been a great starting point for to, to bring music education to Cork. I think what Music Generation does so well is that, you know, when Music Generation started in Cork 10 years ago, they connected with already existing organisations around the city and programmes that delivered music-making workshops and just helped to further support them. So, you know, it, it really has helped to bring... And I know I, I talk about the cabin because that's where I'm based a lot, yes. but there, there are t- other kids like MC Tiny in these programmes out there in Green Mountain, Mahin, in Ballyfihan, out in Tolker, down in Fairhill, Gronabraher... Just like there's there's amazing talent. Yeah, there is, and and, and you're you among others have been highlighting it for the last ten years, and well done. And your own talent uh, doesn't go amiss as well. That documentary been shown at the Everyman Monday night as part of Music Generations uh, ten years. Thanks, Sean Sean Downey, otherwise known as Swan. That's it. Program edited by Imro Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. Talk to you tomorrow just after nine. The opinion line on Corks ninety six FM. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.